If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Still here. Yep. I'm not sure why. Nope. Five years of the completely unnecessary podcast. Five years is a long time. It's a long time. Thanks for being with us. Did you hear that, Ian? Did you hear that DuckTales theme I put in there? You heard that. Oh, I heard it. Yes. Okay, I hear it now. I I edit this in real time, Ian. (laughs) doesn't take me hours after each one. Guys, this is the fifth anniversary of the CU podcast. The first one was the, I think it was the 30th of August, 2013, 29th or 30th. Look it up. I don't know. Listen to it. We talked about the 2DS coming out. Yeah. Ben Affleck announced that sad Batman. Yep. I think that was it. There might've been, <laughs> there might've been a third topic. I think there was one, one other topic. I just don't recall what it was. When we recorded in my bedroom, mm-hmm. back at the condo, the crappy condo, not castle country. Um, and then we switched to the game room. I don't know why we did it originally in the, uh, probably because of the whole desktop thing. And that's cause what. it wasn't really planned. It was planned. We said, we're going to do it this day. We're going to try it out, but here we are. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll touch upon memories a bit further. Uh, we, I, I first want, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the unfortunate, uh, shooting, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, the past weekend at the Madden tournament. Um, at this point, it's unfortunate to say that these mass shooters are becoming so commonplace that it's not a total shock it happened, but being that it's happened in the gaming realm, which we are a part of, which we speak about, we felt we had to at least mention it uh, because it's now affecting directly something that we would actually talk about in the podcast uh, in this realm. And there are solutions out there, and I hope that politicians have the will to try to come to at least compromises to sort of address these issues, both uh in gun control legislation and mental health. It's not one or, or the other, it's both. And we have to do better as society in order to reach some sort of, at least attempt solutions to sort of quell this, what seems like an, um, uh, an increasing storm of these shootings. And until we at least try to do that, you know, we'll talking about these almost every week they're happening. It's, it's a, it's a two pronged attack. Um, a lot of people want to uh, throw all the blame on mental health. And yes, we do need to end the stigma against talking about mental health and getting uh, treatment for people who, who need it. And this person uh, definitely needed treatment. Reports. Uh, uh, right. They, they it said they did. Um, and it looks like some treatment was attempted, but it looks like the father perhaps was not as into it as perhaps they should have been. Um, But we also, I think, as a nation, need to realize that uh, in some ways we need gun control and his guns were legally obtained. That is true. Um, That does not mean that there needs to be some restrictions. And legally obtained does not always... 
legally obtained is legally obtained. Well, Florida has that, some of the most lax laws in the nation. I think it, it was from to... Baltimore. Was that what you got him? But it doesn't. That doesn't mean that the laws don't need to be tighter. Sure. In in regards, there, there's attempts you can make either way to try to do something to see if it has an effect. You I, need, right at this point, we can't not try. Try something, and if it doesn't work, you can rescind them. But you got to try something. I think at some point. So, um, yeah, they, that's all I'll say. It's it's, it's horrific. Obviously, um, EA seems like they're canceling future Madden tournaments to try to tighten up security when it when it comes to these events. And um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not a total shock that happened. It's just sort of since it's in the gaming realm, it's getting a ton more exposure than probably even uh, shooting would have. Um, so there you have it, uh, Ian. A tough way to start the fifth anniversary podcast. Yeah. But we've had some good memories along the way during the CU podcast, the five years. We've had our... We'll ups, get to those. We'll have, we have, we'll have our ups and downs. We have our memories coming up uh, a bit later. But we have other stuff going on. We have a new t-shirt. We do. We do. It's going to be somewhere over here. It's actually that symbol. Actually, it's, that, it's that symbol, but now there's a shirt over there in the editing. You can see the shirt, Dean. Yes. Uh, go to Teespring, two E's, teespring.com slash CU shirt. We've done a couple of t-shirts in the past. It's been a couple of years. We've done the, the original podcast logo, which you forgot existed when I talked to you. I did. <laughs> yeah, we had another one. This one's only a year old. Uh, and we also had the Danny Sullivan t-shirt, which I never got a, a freaking shirt of. But go to teespring.com slash CU shirt. It's a limited uh, campaign. It'll be around for another couple of weeks there. Check it out. Get a nice shirt. Support the podcast. Support Ian's burrito habit. Why not? Yeah. Um, we also have... Uh, a, a certain Super Nintendo guidebook you can pre-order at ultimatesnes.com. So there's the books there. You can see the two different covers. You can do that. There'll be a Kickstarter in the fall. Um, and I will be at a few conventions, Ian. I'll be in Jersey. I'll be in Connecticut first, Retro World Expo, then Jersey in the middle of the month uh, at a video game con, and at the end of the month at Retrobalooza in Arlington, my fourth or fifth one. So check out those websites, RetroWorldExpo.com. Well, the cats away, the mice will play. You're going gonna to use Castle Contra? Use that nice grill you see out back? You might. Yeah. It's 40-inch grill, Ian. That's what I'm going to do. serious grill. It's a back, infrared back burner on that sucker. You can oh, do, some, baby. do some veggies on that, too. And there's a rotisserie. Sorry, getting off topic. Anyway, <laughs> that's what's going on. Again, thanks for, for supporting us. Um, and thanks for Ian for being a part of this yeah. journey. I appreciate Pat being a part of this podcast. Why'd you say it so snidely and, and unauthentically? <laughs> because it sounds funny when I thank you for being a part of my podcast. Okay. Ian. Pat. We, we were sort of in the a golden renaissance of, of classic games having sequels being made for a newer generation. And a beat-em-up dredged from, from <laughs> the annals of history has been announced. A sequel, Ian. Yes. Um, so is, is beat-em-ups, so you know how people say that stupid word shmups, would, would a beat-em-up be, because that's a shoot-em-up, would a beat-em-up be a bum-ups? No, it's just a beat-em-up. A bum-ups? Then why do people no, shmup, say shmup? Because they're dumb, and they should never say shmup. It's yeah, a shooter, damn it. It is. I mean, just stop. So Streets of Rage 4 has been announced, um, dot .emu, dot .mu is, uh, behind it, and, uh, People have been wanting Streets of Rage 4 for a while. It was Have they? Yeah. I mean, it was rumored on the Dreamcast, um, but it never happened. And then I remember when Atlas got the... Um, when Atlas got the 
uh, the rights to some of the Sega titles. I know Streets of Rage was one that came up. I think we might have even talked about it on this here podcast somewhere between uh, five years ago and now. <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the first five years. Somewhere in there. We have to we have to have an appendix for all the podcasts with things we discuss. Yes. How many times uh, Ranch Dressing has come up? How many times Danny Sullivan's come up? You know, see uh, episodes one eight. 10, 11, all of them. The pod pendix. <laughs> yeah, the pod pendix. The pod pendix. The CU pod pendix. <laughs> um, so, anyways, the trailer has come out, and uh, it is definitely going to be a, uh, you know, a 2D beat-em-up. We, well, we've had a semi-renaissance of, of beat-em-ups. It was sort of a dead genre for a good probably 10, 15-year span, where there wasn't many being made yeah. across the consoles. And now with when you have like things like the Xbox Live arcade comeback and they start re-releasing the classic arcade ones i think that sort of helped the interest get back to where it might have been sure i mean we've had uh there was double dragon neon we had double dragon four um, a new turtles game that all the youtubers were promoting years ago that was trash on the xbox oh on 360 there was that um <laughs> there was the uh dave and busters i think it's the exclusive uh, ninja turtles beat em up oh there's another one okay the, the one that uh was at um game on expo Okay. Um, then there was the really popular uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World beat em up. That's, that's right. It's fantastic, and now it's so it's been the past like gone. seven, seven, eight years. They've sort of come back. Yeah, there's a Power Rangers one. Anyways, all sorts of good stuff. So it seems probably ripe for uh, Streets of Rage to come back. The uh, trailer um, shows that uh, Axel um, is looking a little aged. I love it about well, age. He's got a little a Pat Country beard gristle going on. A little, he's a little scruffy. He looks like um, he looks like well, Harry Bogard in uh, Garo Mark of the Wolves. That, that, that happened. That happened. Got it, like ten years added to him. That happened in the Tekken series with with Martial Law. Remember, he came back with the beard. Yes, you know. Um, he still has the uh, sneakers though. Still got the white high tops working. For yeah, I, I don't know if the, he's got them. L A Knights or, or whatever. I don't know what they are. BK Knights. BK, was it L A Knights? It was, it was BK it Knights. L A Gear and L- BK. I confused two of them. It was British Knights and L A Gear. Below the Nike Reebok tier is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. L A Gear. Yeah, L A Gear. Are they still around L A Gear? Anyway, I'd probably not. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's got a bootlegger or if he just bought. As much stock. We don't know if this takes place in the late 90s. We don't know if LA Gear is still kicking back then. True. I don't think he's 20 years age because the uh, the other protagonist... protagonist Blaze. Blaze, she's looking just as good. Yeah, it's true. She doesn't look much older. She's hitting the squat machine. She's looking just as good. She's still got them hoop earrings, too. So, the uh, gameplay looks very much the same. Um, the... It's got a cartoony style, which is nice. I, I gotta say, that's that's kind of my, my one thing, though. I don't particularly love... The art style. It you, looks... prefer, you preferred sprites? Pure sprites? Like I don't know that pixel. I would have. I don't know what I would have preferred. Then, then you have no realm of this. Of, of I, I have to see more. I guess I have to see how it, it plays. Yeah, this, this is a teaser trailer. Yeah. I mean, this is like you get like 15 seconds of gameplay at most, and then it, really cool animation. I, I, I like the, the trailer animation. I just don't know if I like necessarily like how the. Um, Who's Snake Woman at the end there? The gameplay looks. I don't know. She appears new. But she also looks pretty rad. I like I like her snake hands. <laughs> or her, I don't know. So I, so, so I was never really b- big into the Streets of Rage uh, series because I didn't have a Genesis. My friends had... I, I played one and two. I always commented that we beat the games like in 20 minutes. They were quick, I remember as a kid. They're fun. Um, I always liked Final Fight better 
uh, I always liked a certain Double Dragon series a, a little bit slightly better. Oh, you're gross. <laughs> just what I was used to. Not that these were big ideas. I just wasn't used to. I always thought that this was just a you know Final Fight sort of, you know, not knockoff, but derivative of it. Even though there were some cool two-player combos and things like that in the games. Uh, so if, if there's an audience for this, that's great. That's fantastic. You know. I definitely want to try it. I, I'm not going to discount this until I play it. Um, kind of disappointed though. There's only two playable characters. Let's say announced more because the other, uh, I think they added what two or three more characters. There was, uh, yeah, depending on which version you play, there's usually up to there's usually three characters. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that they they show more characters here. Sure. Um, but yeah, part one and two were a lot of fun. Three, the U.S. version specifically uh, was brutally hard. They made three it was hard. They made it way too. Di- they, What's with threes? Double Dragon three was too hard. What's with the threes? When they brought it to the U.S., they made part three ridiculously hard. The Japanese version's a lot more fair. Same same with Double Dragon. Yeah. What are they doing? So. Um, but it had great music. It's still a pretty decent game. So, so is, we'll see how this is. This is Lizard Cube and Guard Crush Games doing the development. Yeah, and .emu. Yeah, and there was publishing. That, what was that? Uh, that that that. Uh, what was that brawler that came out? The indie one that came out last year. The Russia one. The hell was it called? Uh, you don't. Oh, the fuck? oh uh, I have that one too. Russia bleeds. Mother Russia. Bleeds. Mother Russia bleeds. Is that it? Something like that. Yeah, yeah Mother Russia bleeds. So the, there has been a, a renaissance even in the. Oh Indies. yeah, I, I definitely did not name all the beat 'em ups. Uh, fucking Shaq Fu Two is a beat 'em up, and holy shit, is that game miserable? Is it just as miserable as the first one? It's no. It, well, it's a different type of game, and it's like, it's bad. It starts off with Chinese laundry jokes. Does it really? Yes. It's that bad? It's that it's bad. It's Shaq. He's a goofball. He's a corny goofball. I don't think he had anything to really do with it. You think game. so? Are you sure I, about I, that? I got it for free because I had bought their NBA playgrounds uh, at like, launch because I like basketball mm-hmm. and basketball games. And uh, so I got it for free. I didn't know why. And I downloaded it. And it's one of the only games I've ever deleted off a system after downloading it. Wow. I was like, yeah, I'm never going back to this. I think I just think it's interesting because... I think it started with, I used to like Scott Pilgrim. It probably started with the Xbox Live Arcade showing off some of the ones from the 90s, like the X-Men one gets re-released, things like that. And now, here we are. Uh, the Takeover came out. Uh, was that last year or earlier this year? And that was uh, published by Dangan. Uh, Matt McMuscles from Super Best Friends Play was involved somehow. Yeah, and uh, I believe James has, uh, I think that's the one that he's got music in. James has music in that. So that's interesting because that's almost like a pure mashup of Streets of Rage and Final Fight when you look at this art style and how the characters look. Yeah. And so it's, I wonder if these companies are seeing it's like, wow, this is a new genre or a genre rebirth or revival and we have these properties laying around. We should be doing this. You know, that's probably the impetus for this. They see these games coming out that are heavily inspired by their properties. Of course, Capcom doesn't give a shit they have Final Fight laying around. They'll just keep it laying around forever and just put fucking their characters in Street Fighter games when they can easily put out a, a brawler like in like a, less than a year. But, um, yeah, I think it's good. It's always good to have a genre revival. Yes. Uh, and, and the beat-em-ups were always uh, my, probably one of my favorite genres from the 90s when they were obviously the arcades helped that uh, heavily. Like, you know, titles like AVP that we always talk about. It was a shame that never had a console release. Uh, the Super Nintendo one doesn't count that was a different version i talk about it in a certain different game entirely T- different game entirely and it actually came out before the arcade game so you can't totally blame those devs but that's not a good game but anyway so yeah uh so when is this going to be coming out we, we know yet oh i don't know i don't think so it's just an early t so we're guessing i'm gonna guess next year on that streets of rage 4 with a beard all right so speaking of uh, some of the best brawlers ever speaking of double dragon yeah, yeah no 
Double Dragon, the seminal, one of the seminal, seminal vesicles games in, in, in the genre, along with Final Fight. Uh, Double Dragon. There was uh, besides the Double Dragon Four that came out uh, was that last year. That's a pretty good one, actually. I like with eight bit graphic styling, mm-hmm. good which was game. interesting that they they kept that graphic style that sixteen bits all the rage. Uh, we we have a bunch. We're in the environment now where companies are putting out licensed remakes of, of games mm-hmm. on cartridge, Repro- licensed reproductions, like actual yes. like reproduction. Pacha. Pacha, like Pacha, I, here I, it is. Pacha. I'm making a hand motion for those of you listening to audio. So, I'm, I'm making a motion that signifies a physical object. And you're, you're holding there a, a small hutch football or something like that. <laughs> a sandwich. A, a sandwich? That's a, a, that's a, a submarine. That's, that's a hoagie. A hoagie. So, I am 8-bit the, the Street Fighter uh, 2 30th anniversary uh, cartridge release. They're doing the... Um, then they did the Mega Man X and, and Mega Man 2. two. They've done those. I don't think those have done as well from what I hear in terms of sales. But anyway, they've done them. And it's nice to have these come out. But when you come out with these, you got to do these right. You have to do these cartridges right so that both collectors enjoy them plus the retro game enthusiasts actually playing them. It's, it's, it's a weird combo market. So this a company called Retroism, which I never even heard about until this came up, they did a uh, re-release of... Return of Double Dragon, which is the Japanese version of Super Double Dragon. There's, I think, a couple little extra cha- uh, little levels, and but it's like 95% the same game. So they come out here. Extra levels is not 95% the same. That's big difference. That's like saying that... Why final... do you have to argue? Because on this podcast, I, you have to argue that like, that's what you have to argue about. I'm just going to say, you would not call Final Fight 95% the same. Final Fight versus what? Final Fight, the arcade version. It's missing a whole level. You would not call that 95% the same. No, I would call it 95% the same. You're wrong. Not the Super Nintendo, but the Super Nintendo, you don't have two players, so then it wouldn't be because of that. Anyway, the, the classic Ian derails the topic before it gets started uh, comment. That's how it goes, man. Uh, the Return of Double Dragon comes out on a red cartridge, and this is officially licensed. Technos Japan's involved, and then people get the cartridge, Ian, and guess what? It plays perfectly. Yes, it does. So we're <laughs> on the topic. That's no. it. <laughs> it doesn't work on most original Super Nintendo consoles. Any, from what I've seen, none. Just works on uh, aftermarket consoles. Not a, not a single. It doesn't. I haven't seen. There, there's reviews. I haven't seen a single review state that it works on an actual Super. Two stars, uh, according to a certain Amazon uh, webpage. <laughs> Thirty-six customer reviews here. One star. Verified purchase, not compatible with the original and Super Nintendo. This was blatant false advertising. Nowhere prior to release was it mentioned that this will not work with original Super Nintendo hardware. Only now in small print on their website does it mention this. Do not buy anything from this company. Totally bogus. Made as cheap as possible. This is an awful release quality-wise from Mark P. The game itself is just fine if you can even get it working, but the box, label, and cart are very cheap. The cheapness doesn't stop there, as the game PCP isn't designed well, and they couldn't even bother to bevel the PCP so that so, so that will also put extra stress on the cartridge connector. The icing on the cake is Amazon loves to ship games like these and special editions and bubble mailers, so they get just the right amount of box damage for you to enjoy when it arrives. <laughs> so the thing about that is that I believe when you do Amazon fulfillment, you are supposed to ship them already shipped in your mailer. Right. So that's so it's actually not, not Amazon. Amazon. Amazon's not taking the item off the shelf and putting it in the package. They're just taking the item off the shelf already pre-packaged and then mailing it out. So I don't think that's actually on Amazon there. Uh, one star from Larry Fisher. Do not buy if intending to use on Super Nintendo. 
Won't be purchasing. You know, from don't this... buy the Super Nintendo cartridge if you'd like to use it on a Super. Won't be purchasing from this company again. Scammers. Major fail. Piece of junk. Claims Super Nintendo console compatible does not even work in an authentic NES console. Works in aftermarket consoles. Is that like a voltage issue, you think? Oh, I don't know, but here, here it is. I found one with three stars. Oh. Rough release, solid game. It has been widely reported that this game does not work with original authentic SNES consoles. This is not altogether true, as it works on mine. <laughs> I'm not sure if the difference is in well, SNES board revisions, lockout chips, blah, blah, blah. Mine is the first North American board version. I'd encourage others to find their SNES board version and update their reviews. No, that's not on them. No, no, that's not on them. That's First not all, on them. I, I've actually read the opposite. I've read that it was the original Super Nintendos that it doesn't work on at all, and that's like the majority of the Super Nintendos right. that came out. The yeah. mini, I think it might work, but I don't know. Update that's a, your reviews. No. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I, I got to go go to the, the my local Luna Video Games, two locations in Chula Vista a, and El Cajon, <laughs> and find and say, hey, let's try this fucking shitty after. Can you open game. my Super yeah. Nintendo for me so I can find <laughs> no, my board no. revision and then update that's, my Amazon review? That's not how Because I might be doing some damage to this company let's, that can't even bevel the edges of their circuit board. That'd be like printing out a PS3 game. You got to go to the swap me to find the certain uh, serial number revision that works on that, like trying to find the one with the, with the proper emulator on there that's terrible so how does this happen how does this happen they get these cards they must have tested a batch of these you don't just test one you you randomly probably pick out like 30 of these and test them right either they didn't test them on an original hardware or or they didn't care that's the only thing i can think of or they didn't have a super nintendo laying around maybe maybe it works on a super famicom and not a Super Nintendo? Does it work on a Super Famicom? No, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily... You wouldn't be able to know because you wouldn't fit the cartridge inside. You can't fit a Super Nintendo game in a Super Famicom? No. I thought there's no there's no things in it. It's the opposite. You, you can't... Well, I mean, if you took the top off, you could, but it it's it doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit that shape? It doesn't shape. fit. It doesn't fit? It doesn't fit. <laughs> so then... Okay. <laughs> So, anyways, I'm, I'm trying to think of. A, it's a the way. customer's fault. It's the customer's fault. <laughs> not, who is this guy doing this review? Who, who does he think he oh, is? There's a four star review. Oh no! Ver- Verify purchase. We'll work on an early SNES with coaxing. Come on, please work, Super Nintendo. Oh, come on! I, I took you for ice cream last week. I'll be good to you, baby. I wrote a negative review because I could not get that the game, game to boot up. I thought the SNES lockout chip was at fault. Decided to try cleaning it with. Keg deoxid electric contact cleaner and try one more time before returning. And it worked on my first gen Super Nintendo perfectly. So deleted the old review and reposting. Five stars for the game, but knocked down a bit for possible compatibility issues. Possible compatibility issues? Everyone's saying there's compatibility issues. I can say that you can get it to work perfectly on an early Super Nintendo, and it is an awesome game. Better than the US Super Double Dragon by a long shot, but depending on if it needs cleaning, what. Why would it depend on the cleaning of your console, though? And all this is a good pack. I, I just... Okay, never mind. I can't do this anymore. The, the apologists here are really just trying to deal with the fact that you know, they like, were separated like, from $50. This is like a retro VGS apologist. It's bad. It's it's bad. And I just want to point out that the uh, box on. cover is great. Uh, definitely looks like they just <laughs> went with some bold aerial uh, in italics. It's real awful. Uh, one is one is uh, feels like playing the lottery. Uh, <laughs> it did not work on my Super Nintendo consoles, a two chip, one chip, and junior. So yeah, I think the original Super Nintendo had two video chips, and then they went to a one chip. Yeah, 
Two days later, Retroism posted a disclaimer on their website about it not being guaranteed to work on original hardware, contrary to what the box says. My replacement copy, copy arrived today. Much to my surprise, it works fine on all three consoles. So it appears to be a quality control issue at this point, which makes Retroism's response to this very odd indeed. So they got to recall all of these. They want to make this right. I mean, they, they got to apologize. They got to recall. Because so either it sounds like with some people saying it works on their early systems, either like 10% of them work, or you have a weird situation where for some reason you clean it with electro console cleaner, it works. I'm thinking that it's just most of these didn't work. They got to go back to their manufacturer, bitch and moan, get a replacement, or just eat up the cost. Because now, if I'm a customer and this happens to me, I'm never ordering a product again from them in theory. No. Why would I? If there's no quality control going on, and this was their response. Another review. Wait, it works. Wait, what? That's. I guess they're surprised that it works. You know, uh, this is this is bad. Like I said, I'm not too familiar with Retroism before. It looks like they have other uh, physical releases on their site. Uh, Retroism is a haven for timeless games. Oh, so they have like uh, Ease Eight on there. Fast Loop, Fast Beat Loop Racer GT. That's a game. And uh, yeah, so I'll show you a fast beat loop. Oh, it looks like this on a lot. These aren't all physical releases. Maybe maybe they're just they're just uh, publishing some of this. No, no, they're physical releases. I can't tell. All I know is this: the retro sixteen bit system uh, section. Uh, it's not off to a great start. With this being their uh, oh, they've also did Unholy Night as well. So this is their their uh, second release, and they've done they're doing, now doing Technos Japan Classic Imports. So you can get uh, one of the. Kenny Kuhn uh, games looks like the first River City game for the Super Famicom that's advertised so they're, so they're dabbling in this with uh, Technos products dibble dabble I, I don't know if Technos Japan is uh, caring that much about who they give their license out to they wouldn't be pleased with this though I don't think alright well speaking of Super Nintendo Ian. speaking of us we really got this all chained together nicely it's like we got a fucking combo. Five going years, on. five years to get it done. Five years to get this combo rolling. So, anyways, here's the thing: um, <laughs> use original cartridges on your SNES Mini. You can do this with the classic Two Magic attachment. Two Magic. Um, this is a this is a device that you hook up to your SNES Mini, and it will allow you to play your Super Nintendo cartridges or Super Famicom or Super Famicom cartridges using your Super Nintendo Mini. This is kind of neat. Kind of neat. So we are having a digital, modern, all-in-one with an attachment for the old 30-year-old software. Correct. This could be a, this could be the first time that we've seen something like this, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, in a way, it's interesting. And what's even more curious about it is it will actually let you rip the ROMs directly to the... Um, system. So this is almost an. Yeah, it's sort of what the, the Retron Five did. You know, it was a temporary rip of the ROM that you played. This is ripping it to the hardware, but you can then save it. To the yeah, memory? exactly. Okay. Um, and it also allows you to just put ROMs entirely on there. It has a USB drive. Oh, it has a USB okay. port, so you can just take ROMs and. So instead of hacking, this would be an easier way to do it. Right. And from what I've heard, the hacking is easy, but I, I actually have never done it, so I don't know. So my question would be: Would this alter the menu to include how when you hack it you put like you, the menu looks exactly the same as Nintendo's GUI interface with if that's the case that'd be smart if it's just like a sort of like a flash cart list 
that is less appeal to me, but it's still cool. No, there, there does appear to be some sort of menu system in play here. Uh, uh, oh, here you go. Here's a video. Yep. Good thing I'm prepared in the fifth anniversary podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, how to set up. So it's... Oh, yeah. Oh, there's Super Scope. Uh, you do folders. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it's interesting to me that this exists because people do. I mean, they, they always say, you know, one of the things that they, you know, wish was that it would play the original cartridges. Now you can... Um, and you can do so to the point where you would then again not need them. I wonder how well this will sell, being that you can just hack it and dump everything to it. And you can use other emulators. So, you, so if you get the Super Nintendo one, you could. Uh, it's compatible with. The, it's also compatible with the NES Classic Mini. Interesting. So, because while I'm looking at this video, there's a N64 icon there. So I'm guessing that means you can somehow load up an N64 emulator if you load the ROMs on. It would play it. Is that what that means? I wonder. Potentially? Well, potentially. I wonder what the compatibility would be I mean, like, this, though. It, now, if you can use your own, if you, yeah, if you, well, the compatibility would be whatever emulator you throw on there. Sure. You know, you're not using whatever. You know, the, uh, the, I don't think Nintendo has their own proprietary N64 emulator ready to go. True. You know, but you're going to be using the obviously their NES and Super Nintendo ones on that. So this can be fifty nine ninety five. So you're you're almost doubling the cost. I think that's reasonable. It's not, it's not, that's not bad because you're getting a cartridge uh, slot there too. If you just want to do one game on your TV, your modern TV, this could be a this could be your nice uh, sort of in between solution. You don't want to hack it. You want to use your original carts. People were clamoring for that for the NES. They're like, well, why is there no cartridge slot? Because what makes sense for Nintendo to do it? Right. No one would have bought it for 150 bucks with it, or well, as people would. So here you go. Um, this is this is the the sort of in between uh, you have here. So. Yeah, I think this is... Uh, no, I wonder if this is flash car compatible. Probably not, but... That, to me, would almost... Just defeat the purpose. Defeat the purpose. like cheating. Yeah. Get the real car off your shelf, asshole. I mean... Get the Fire Pro X card off your shelf. There's a USB drive. Yes, I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and, you, and originally, the ROM rippers, like on the Retro 5, aren't compatible with, with flash cars. I think that they were hacked to do that, but it's looking for a ROM. It's not looking for, a, you know, a menu to pull from. Right. So, um, all right, I'm in. I think it's uh, very cool, and honestly, that might be something that I would look into purchasing. I mean, especially if you can just, you know, you're going to make this your all-in-one machine, you put your NES ROMs on there and play them. Why right. not? Because now, now there's no space issue. There's no, there's no memory issue uh, with what's built into the, the, the console itself. How much space does the... Uh... I believe people are going to know, I don't, I think, believe it's somewhere like six to 700 meg, something like that. So you can get every NES uh, game, but you're not getting the... You know, Super Nintendo library, they're a lot bigger. You're not probably getting sure. less than half of the library uh, there. Probably, uh, you know, it's a cost thing. The guts were, like, exactly the same. So, like, they probably didn't give a shit. Right. Easier to, okay, well, just new shell on, on top of it. So, um, I love how the European Super Nintendo looks slash the slash uh, Super Famicom, which is why there's two covers of Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the SNES Library. That's why. But anyway, uh, when is this going to come out if Nintendo doesn't sue them? <laughs> I would hope not. I mean, when does it come out? I don't think it says. Oh, this is the same company that did the Retro Two, or is that a different company? I'm seeing because Retro Two was was that uh, double cartridge uh, USB compatibility one. That's right uh, for Genesis games and Super Nintendo. Anyway, all right, we'll check it out. Um, you can go to Classic Two Magic Arabic numeral two classic to magic.com and uh and get your super nintendo game playing on get it
Get it good. Oh, micro USB. Oh, nice. Oh, oh, here's the game ROMs for other systems supported via extra emulators. Everything. You'll be able to put arcade games on this. Yeah, you, so as long as you can get those emulators on there, you'll be good to go. Wow. All right. So this could be a game changer, taking an official pro- uh, product and making it a pirate product. I think Nintendo might might be talking to these people. Just my prediction. <laughs> I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying they might be doing that. They may. And it works with both SNES Mini and the NES Mini. And the Shonen Jump Mini, which I want to get still. I think you want to get the... Yeah, uh, I do too. That's a cute one. The CU Podcast is proud to be working with NordVPN. Ian, it's what I use to keep myself safe online. And you can too, Ian. Yes, you can too. If you care about your privacy and the security of your information, NordVPN is giving you 77% off, very specific, 77% off a three-year plan. When you go to nordvpn.com slash podcast or use code podcast at checkout, VPN is a virtual private network. It's more critical to having a VPN now more than ever. Why? If you're doing anything online, your info and browsing habits are out there for anyone to get a hold of, Ian. Mm. That's, that, that sounds scary. When you use NordVPN, you have access to over 4,000 super speedy servers in 62 countries, and those connections secure your information using military-grade encryption. Military-grade, Ian. Bulletproof. Abrams tank style. <laughs> this means your info and what you do online is nearly impossible to track. You can use a NordVPN app on your phone as well as your computer. Um, I use it when I'm at the airport, free Wi-Fi at a, a restaurant or hotel, that's where you want to use it. That's where bad things can happen. To people like Boogie2988, it's happened in the past where it had, you know, uh, his YouTube account hacked uh, at a law convention. The folks at PC Mag made NordVPN their editor's top VPN choice. Just one account lets you protect up to six devices. There's an app for Android and iOS. It's unlimited bandwidth and a money back guarantee. Woo! Whoa! And maybe you can even try to do a little streaming in different parts of the world. You can try if you say, hey, I'm in Belgium right now. Netflix doesn't know I'm in Belgium. Shh. So anyway, to get that special <laughs> offer, which breaks down only $2.75 per month, go to nordvpn.com slash podcast or use code podcast and get going with your secure web browsing. Do it. Do it now. Ian, we love Nintendo. And yep. we love mobile devices. Uh, okay. We love apps. No, like a certain NES guide app. Sure, that Pat might be finally getting paid for because now he's publishing it himself. Anyway, Ian. <laughs> yes, Mitomo came and went. Super Mario Run was around. Mm-hmm. We had that uh, with the Fire Emblem one, Pocket Camp, Pocket Camp. I keep forgetting to, to actually play that. Um, so Nintendo has put their toes, dipped their toes in the water when it comes to mobile games to, you know, uh, mixed mix success. Mitomo sort of was like a weird experiment that kind of failed. Super Mario Run didn't do the sales I think they were hoping for at, at $9.99. I loved it. I thought it was worth 10 bucks. It was fun. Um, I don't know how Pocket Camp's doing or anything else they have going on. Uh, obviously, the Pokemon stuff, they have a limited stake in it. They're making a lot of money on that. Yeah, that's, that's but, doing just fine. But they're, but they're a minority stakeholder. With the Pokemon company. But yeah. they're still making money. So, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto talked to uh, the good people at uh, Bloomberg about um, you know, w- where he sees the uh, mobile game scene being at and where Nintendo could fit, fit into it. He sort of criticized the industry, told not to be too greedy when it comes to uh, free-to-pay free to games. Uh, free, free to pay, free to, free to pay, <laughs> free to play, free to play, <laughs> free to play, but then you pay. That's what it is. Um, and I, I think I see what's going on here. He's criticizing the free to play model, uh, loot boxes, microtransactions, 
Uh, and there's been record profits uh, from them, obviously. And that's why they keep coming back. Uh, instead of charging an upfront one-time fee, publishers are increasingly giving games away or selling them at discounted prices and nudging players to continually buy in-game products, such as virtual outfits, or encourage them to bet money on winning rare items. So that's their gambit. It's like, yeah, you're going to pay a dollar for this game or be free, but it'll be hundreds of dollars out of your pocket when this is all said and done. Sure. See you, podcast memory. Like the... Uh, that that driving game where you had to buy gasoline to play the the free to oh it was that a, was an EA game wasn't it it was a, it was a Need for Speed game it was a Need for Speed game, yes yeah. so that, that so you cannot possibly play some of these free to play games comfortably or get ahead unless you unless you pay it comfortably to yeah. you can play this game for free but you're gonna have to sit in a chair of spikes that's basically what it amounts to. <laughs> Here's uh, here's Super Mario Run without the ability to jump unless you pay an extra dollar fifty. Right. You know that, that's what it accounts, for, and that's what Miyamoto's criticizing. So he has a point when it comes to that. He says, "I can't say that our fixed mo- cost model has really been a success." The usually candid Miyamoto said, "But we're going to continue pushing it forward until it becomes entrenched, the way everyone can develop games in a comfortable environment by focusing on bringing games to the widest range of people possible. We can continue boosting our mobile game business." So I think what Miyamoto is afraid of is the devaluing of Nintendo IPs and games once they move to the mobile market, uh, because th- I-, I would say that there's probably more thought and time put into their mobile games than the average mobile game that's thrown up on the store for free. So, But that's what the, the market is for mobile. It's like, if you have to spend 10 bucks, oh my god, that's insane. Well, and I think also they look at some of the backlash from something like Pocket Camp, which does... Uh, Pocket Camp is kind of one of those time management ones where okay. it's like, you know, you do this and then you have to wait a certain number of, you know, minutes, hours, etc. before you can do something else again. Sure. Um and people don't necessarily love that sort of method. So they did get some flack for that. And I think I think reasonably he looks at that sort of thing. And yes, he sees that as perhaps devaluing an IP. Um, and I think there's something to be said for when he talks about developing games in a comfortable environment. Um, I sort of take that to mean... Basically, when you are developing a game in a free-to-play model. My thought is that you're not really developing the game that you want because you have to be... Well, you can't. You're developing what you want, but you have to... You have to purposely try to figure out how you're going to shoehorn these free-to-play mechanics in. You can't just go and make the game that you necessarily want to because you have to figure out how you're going to work that mechanic in there to keep... What are you going to limit? What, what's your resource? Where are you going to put these multiple layers of currency? Because many free-to-play games use, you know, various layers of currency. You know, one that you usually have to buy for something. Sure. You know, you, you're not just naturally making the game the way you, you would because you have to think about what in addition to X, Y, or Z you are you the, withholding yeah. from a player. You think about a subscription model. Right. In essence, and how that works with your game versus a Ford. And Tenon's like, this is our game. Here's, here's the game. Here's the game. Right. Comes out. Uh, well, for for the most of their existence, no DLC. Now there's been DLC in a few of their big uh, games, but those DLCs are new games in and of themselves. Just about they have done uh, they have done fairly well with Nintendo does things that I don't like, but DLC they've been, it's been there's been pretty value. good with the value. It's 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 been there at least. So they're they're trying to make sure that they don't you know they don't want to get into the mode where their Nintendo has to in order to sell them has to go into a market where people won't pay more than 99 cents for a game or free games that then money has to be pumped into consistently because then Nintendo has to change how they make games entirely and they can't do that. Right. They don't want to. 
imagine them thinking about that on a imagine if they had loot boxes in, in you know in, in Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild you know imagine if they had to do that to make money how that would just alter the game entirely you know oh here's these rare items instead of seeking them out and having you know fun exploring and finding them getting clues going through you know the, the rough rocky train and climbing up instead of that oh we'll just pay us five bucks and, and, and throw, the, throw the dice or you know right th- that's not the same experience it's something else. I'm not saying it's wrong, but for that, for them, they don't want to do that. Yeah, I, you know, for some games that can even like, especially there are games that do it without money. You know, that can be fun for a certain type of game, but that's just that would change the dynamic of Zelda entirely. Sure, and, and plus, I think since a lot of those games in Nintendo are still geared towards kids, like honestly, I think they, that's what they think about as well. We don't want. We don't want kids to have to worry about money once they're playing our games that are purchased. Well, you know? it, it's it's the geared towards everyone, you know, mentality. The the casual player is not going to like that idea. The, the you know the person who dips in to play a Nintendo game every year, you know, a big release every year or something like that, um, they're used to the progress equals reward uh, structure sure. of a game, not the you know you can get all the rewards by doing this and then you know you're playing the 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 reasons you're playing the video game you know in certain games like say a Fortnite or something or you know a, a game that has loot boxes where you're you're unlocking mm-hmm. something that way that reward structure is different than i think what most people who tune into a Nintendo game are looking sure. for and it's interesting that they said the two uh more mobile games in development Dragalia Lost that's being co-developed with Cyber Agent a publisher that's been criticized for using aggressive tactics in monetizing games. So I guess Nintendo's probably going to rein them in there. And then Mario Kart Tour is coming out in March. Oh, geez, I forgot about that. We haven't heard much about that, have we? No, it was announced, and I think we heard so little about it that we might not have even covered it. That'll be interesting. You think that'll be a traditional racer using your finger? <laughs> you have to get a wheel next to it? Yeah, I don't know. That could be fun. A dumbed-down mobile Mario Kart could make sense. Sure. Simplified version. Using a little touch. I hate the touch crosspad on phone. It just doesn't work. But Or or, or if you are, you can just shift your phone. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I was saying. Oh, that's what you're doing uh, like this? There's, yeah, I mean, phones I'm, ve- three I'm feet. very, very what, tiny. What, are you driving a school bus? I'm very the tiny, tiny and my phone is very large. Um, <laughs> you have one of Ruse of phones? Gigantic phones? Ruse phone that you can put down on the ground and throw a fucking sleeping bag on top of. <laughs> can you use mobile phones for that purpose? I guess you I can. I guess you can. All right. So I think that's what Miyamoto's getting at here is that this is a world that they're late to and that they don't want to change how they operate in order to fit into it. Yeah. I mean, they're late to it. Nintendo's not good at adapting. Oh, no. Nintendo I'm shocked is, they've adapted as much as they had the past N- year and Nintendo's now. very bad at adapting, <laughs> and I think this is a tacit admi- this is a, a, an admission of we're not good at adapting. We also don't like this, so this is why we don't like it, and this is why we're not going to try That's to adapt very much. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're going to get our $10 uh, Mario Kart Tour game or $5 and, and, and like it. We're not doing free, and then you got to buy turtle well, shells. They are... And it's probably not working, and I think this might be his way of saying we're giving this one more go, and if it doesn't work, then maybe you're going to see some changes. And then we'll do the Nintendo phone. That'll, that'll come soon. I wonder if that's an idea, actually. Nintendo phone? Well, surprise phone Tendo. That would sell. The more I think about it, that would actually sell a good amount if they did their own phone. Hmm. Hmm. Nintendo, don't take this idea. If we do, I'll work with you. We'll roll it out together. We'll shark, shark tank this. We'll do it. All right. <laughs> Ian... 
You told me that it couldn't get more perfect for a fifth anniversary. You know, this was not a segment we started with on the on the CU podcast five years in. It, it came to came about naturally. It came to develop organically. Organically, yes. Just like our love for a certain uh, NES title, which we bring up from time to time. But um, we have a fifth anniversary scumbag, scumbag, seller, seller of the week, the fifth anniversary edition, 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 limited, limited. And it couldn't be more appropriate. <laughs> oh my god, it really couldn't be. I wonder. I'm going to look up their GoDaddy see if they put if they did this last week. Reprogaming.com. <laughs> An entire website devoted to the trashy, unfortunate practice of counterfeit repro games. Yeah. You just you don't even have to go to eBay. No, you can go to reprogramming.com. You can get the Pokemon 7-pack. The 7-pack. Blue, red, <laughs> green, silver, yellow, gold, crystal. All for $44. Saves 30%. You can get Pokemon Pink, which didn't exist. You can also get Pokemon Prism, which didn't exist. You can get all of your favorite ROM hacks. But that's not the problem. But that, no. at least, it's getting stuff like the Conqueror's Bad Fur Day, Day for twenty four sixty nine. Getting a Mario Party 2, for example. You can get that uh, complete in box. Complete in box? Their, their quote... Uh, their it's fresh. Their game logo quote is, Retro Gaming Rocks. You know what rocks? Selling cheap shit from, from China off AliExpress. <laughs> That's what rocks. Let's let's. I'm gonna check out. You can check out the Sega Arrow section. Fighters for $13.99 on the Super. Oh, that's that's great. Uh, Battle Toads Double Dragon uh, for NES 1954. There you go. Oh, 1954. That's a fucking steal. Bobble, bo- Bobble Part Two. They just call it the GameStop Edition. $22.99 for that. <laughs> GameStop Edition. Play now. Uh, this is a strange one. Gotta admit, this one, Castle Quest. There's a lot of people clamoring to play Castle Quest on the ice. Well, if you want to, it's twenty two ninety nine, which is more than what it goes for the yeah, NES, just, isn't it? I was gonna say Castle <laughs> okay. Quest is like a five to eight dollar game. I I'm think. guessing someone at ReproGaming.com really loves Castle Quest. They it's not. Wanna, it's not a dirt common game, but you can find Castle. They Quest. They just want to make sure that it's available at all times in case they need to play a copy. I think it's two and a half stars according to a certain NES guide. You can get way. Alien Soldier for eight ninety nine, or you. Can get it with a repro case and box as well for nineteen ninety nine for the Genesis. Yeah, uh, you can get Ducktales for twenty two ninety nine. I think it's actually cheaper now in the NES than that. Of course, you can get Ducktales two as well. Gargoyles Quest two, Kickmaster, Little Samson. It wouldn't be a counterfeit game website without Little Samson, and of course, Metal Storm by Irem. Uh, Ninja, you can get Ninja Guided. What are once. the hot? What are the hot prices on uh, the hot prices on, on Little Samson and? Uh, 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 little Samson, we got we got fifteen percent off right now at nineteen dollars fifty four cents. Oh, see, there's always a little bit of a always a little bit of a markup on the uh, the the price here ones. Well, not a Ninja, Ninja Guidance twenty two ninety nine uh, one two or three. Uh, what yeah. makes those more expensive? I don't and know. Also, Ninja Gaiden's like a ten to fifteen dollar game. That's, that's what's so strange about some of these. Like they have Power Blade Two, which you understand, and Snow Brothers. That makes sense. So not only are they scumbag sellers for they're scumbag overpricers on these as well. <laughs> so not only are they selling repros? Uh, they're selling the repros uh, at more than you could get I, the original version am, of the game. I am floored by Castle Quest. I have never seen a counterfeit <laughs> Castle Quest before. Or no, someone who would say, you know what? I need that Castle Quest right now. I'm not looking on eBay and waiting a week. I, I want it. <laughs> What's a Castle Quest go for? Let's check a certain app here. Got to check. I got to check it. I got. And this isn't even a plug. The app will have the price in here. What? I'm going to guess Castle Quest is nine dollars before it, before it comes up here. Let's see. Castle Quest. 
What, what's your prediction on Castle Quest, Ian? Uh, no more than fifteen. Six dollars and seven cents estimated value according to price charting. Give me one second. One second. Hold on. Uh, let's see. One second. Are you calling RetroGaming.com? No. Well, should I pause? No, no, it's fine. Well, I was trying to call Luna to see what we charge for <laughs> oh, okay. it, but and if we had any copies <laughs> we, in stock. We went a long way for that one, Ian. But, it was, but unfortunately, busy unfortunately, it's busy. So it should it be more than $8, $9? No, a little, yeah, a I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's Chula like... Location, Chula Vista, and El Chula Vista, El Cajon. Yeah. Uh, celebrating uh, our 15th anniversary okay, right. all of September. Wait. Deals, sales every day it's, of the week. It's the year of the fives. Five years of the CU podcast, <laughs> 15 years. When is it this week? All of September. You know what's available? A certain NES guidebook is available at Luna Video Games. That's right. Buy one, get one free sales every week. Not for the guidebook, though. Not for the guidebook. Okay, but okay. Let's let's check out this the, the super section. You want to look at the you look at the N sixty four one? Do that one. Look, I don't want to. Really, I, don't, I don't. Well, I mean, it, the I'm having fun. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find more of these games where the the the, the counterfeits more money. Well, while you're looking, uh, someone tried to pass off. A really, really bad uh, Mario Kart 64 counterfeit okay. uh, at the store. I wonder if it came from ReproGaming.com. It may have. It or, may have. Or the same person that manufactures a billion of them over in China. I will say this. If it came from ReproGaming.com, <laughs> it was horrible. It was a miserable, miserable <laughs> counterfeit. I could tell from 25 feet away, it looked like a novelty bar of soap in the shape <laughs> of an N64 cartridge. Someone carved it. Yeah, it, it, it just it looked like it was, wood? It, was, it was real bad. And uh, the guy was like, "Oh, it's a bootleg. How do you know?" And I was like, "Well, it's like shit because uh, uh, because of everything." They have 213 Super Nintendo games counterfeit for sale. Oh, do they? Uh, if, if you want to get what what do you, what does Aladdin go for at Luna Video Games? Probably fifteen. Uh, uh, you can pay twenty bucks. Oh, okay. Excuse me, eighteen dollars for. Oh, that. okay. <laughs> or Axelay's eighteen dollars. Um, let's see. There's there's a there's there's literally two hundred and fifty here, and they don't. And some of them make sense. Some don't. Yeah, Captain Commando. That's a little bit uncommon. That's fourteen bucks. That must be the clearance price on that. That's the cheapest one I've seen. Oh, there you go. Complete in box Castlevania uh, Dracula X for forty bucks. There you go. So it looks like the, the, at least there. It's I think it's more reasoned here on the Super Nintendo. The NES though, that Castle Quest is going to haunt me in my dreams forever. I want to get the guy on the phone and think what the hell. They I, think I kind of. Quest. I I'm, I'm, I I'm almost really kind of want it. I don't want to support almost, them. It's almost a mistake though. It must have been like Castlevania. And they said Castle, and they said, oh, you want Castle Quest? Okay, we'll make Castle. And they shut them. 100 Castle Quest That's and they're kind of what I think I mean, happened. I almost I tried to ball it just to frame. Just to frame it? Yeah, just to frame. See, like, yeah, I got, I got one side. I have one counterfeit in my collection. Castle Quest. The worst idea for a bootleg NES game I've ever heard. <laughs> I've never heard someone say, hey, I want to play Castle Quest really badly. Can you do me a favor? Can you see if they have a um, bootleg Mario Paint cartridge uh, under oh. Super Nintendo? Oh, let's look right <laughs> That would now. be a fantastic bootleg. Unfortunately, i got to scroll through a ton of these. Uh, you got anything else to add here, Ian? This is just tailor-made here. This nope. is like someone you can retire almost. I don't this. know that it gets any better than this. <laughs> if only it had the background from that Australian website that oh, we... Oh, yes. That would be great. Or, or, or I can get a nasty message uh, on Facebook afterwards. It's happened a couple times with Scumbag oh, yeah. week. It's happened before. If only there was a game wheel attached to this. You know, again, that would have been great. Right. Remember the game wheel topics mm -hmm. in the past? That's fun. Well, ReproGaming.com, you are the scumbag seller of the week, quite possibly of the past five years. You're top, close. Top, top five. Top five. Top five. I wouldn't put it up number one. Top five here. 
especially charging 18 bucks for Mortal Kombat Super Nintendo. And I'm going to accuse all of you of eating mayonnaise out of the jar with a spoon. Doesn't seem healthy. All right. Um, Ian, Pat, it's time for the uh, Patreon poll Q&A topic. And you know exactly where to go, Ian. Exactly. This is this is like a, a neck strike attack. You know exactly on the fifth anniversary where Hold to on. go to access. Hold on. The CU Podcast Patreon, Ian. www.patreon.com slash CU Podcast. Woo, you had to think. He had to think. I did. I really had to fucking zone in. <laughs> I zoned the fuck in to, on that. To Ian's credit, after the first nine times of screwing up, he's gotten better. He's like 50-50 now. It's, it's slowly get, His batting average is now like a, like 115. Yeah. He's getting there. He's like a pitcher's batting average now when it comes to that. And there you can access Ian's writings that come up every uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Ian's thinking of something right now to write later. Yeah, today. I was. I was like, oh shit, what am I writing <laughs> yes, about? Ian. What yes, am I like, writing about this week? I hate having to rise you to get those out. But we got that going on. We, we have also um the monthly hangouts with ian and then we also have the patreon poll topic and this one this was uh this was a this was a run- runaway hit uh this time out i believe uh let me check here let me check patreon.com slash cu podcast and see what we got here but it was i think 59 or 69 percent uh here i just want to make sure i got this right here uh, da, 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 da. Yes. Oh, excuse me. A little bit less. So, number the one that's died out that was taking place before was: Do you miss cheesy slash bad games based on movies and TV shows? Eight percent, which could be the lowest ever. Second place, thirty-eight uh, percent. Most overrated popular gaming console from the past, and then number one, fifty-three percent. What expensive slash rare video game item does Pat or Ian regret buying? Ian, what do you regret ever buying? Um, there's a lot of things that I started to regret buying right towards the end of. Um, my collecting. Um, I really regret most of the stuff that I bought for the NES. I just were they, I, were they expensive or rare or both? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't pay a ton for a lot of that stuff, I guess. Um, but I, I, what were some of the ones that I did pay more for? Um, none of it was over a hundred, but I was paying upwards of eighty to ninety for, um, stuff at the end, like uh. I think it was like my Power Blade 2 and um, things like that. Basically, I wanted to get out of collecting and I was still buying expensive stuff when I was thinking about getting rid of it. And it I never really used it or had any fun with it, so I got rid of it. Um, my Wonder Swan stuff, I wish I'd never bought my Wonder Swan stuff. Oh, it's, it's no D- NG. Neo Geo Pod Color, NG PC. It rolls off the tongue. Um, I like the Wonder Swan, but. I just didn't need to start another collection. Wonder Swan stuff's not crazy pricey, especially the black and white stuff, but crystals are expensive. I bought a Wonder Swan crystal. I'm happy I have the crystal. I didn't need to buy a black and white. I didn't need to buy a Wonder Swan color. I didn't need to buy the Wonder Swan color, you know, Final Fantasy II collector's set. I got rid of all that shit. It was stuff that I bought and had in my collection for almost no time at all. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there was, I don't know, I feel like that there's probably other people out there who were going through the motions of buying stuff for their collection when their heart was maybe not still in it, and um, I don't know, probably turned around and got rid of it almost immediately. So, yeah, I think my Wonder Swan stuff, especially like my Final Fantasy II collector set was one of those, um, and I regret buying any of the... Uh, I kind of regret paying 
any amount of money for any of the turbo stuff I have. Um, actual turbo stuff that I had, um, like the fire sale. Um, yeah, like the guns and st- like the um, the uh, the games I got from like Nintendo Dan and stuff when he was um, selling out, selling his stuff because I I have no. I, I want to get those games on the PC Engine at some point anyways. The only games that I want for the Turbo Graphics are the ones that absolutely require language, like J.B. Harold Murder Club and stuff like that. Um, I don't I don't need the other ones. So, and, then, and then some of the U.S. ones that you'd want as must-haves, like Splatterhouse, they're not super expensive or weren't. Anyway, right. Like 30 bucks, 20 back in the day, 15 now they're more money, but Bonk was never that expensive until the past few years. So you know? I, that's stuff that I, I kind of regret spending money on. When I think about like big ticket rare items that I have, um, I have my Pokemon Center Limited Game Boy Light. I don't regret that. Um, limited! <laughs> and I don't regret my Sapphire, which is a whole long story. Um, you know, those things I'm happy I have. And uh, a lot of the stuff you know, that I... You didn't buy your Sapphire. Yeah, I know. So you can't... Re- it wasn't a purchase. Oh, I worked for it. Um, and then a lot of the stuff that I had that was... That would have been rare, I had I got when I was younger. And it's either... I didn't get it for much, or I sold it off, and it's been so long I can't regret it. I, uh, I, I've made some Nintendo Dan purchase. Uh, two or three sizable purchases. Yeah. Where I was trying to buy more and save. I've also bought more and saved... From Craigslist, that's where Ian got his, his cheap Turbo Express, where I had to spend hundreds of dollars in order to get something. <laughs> Never, you're not selling that Turbo Express or my dead body. <laughs> I went to like the, the fucking, I thought I was going to get knifed during that deal. Knifed. In that guy's bedroom. Anyway, um, uh, I kind of regret buying all those rare Saturn and Sega CD games. All the working designs ones and... Didn't you sell them all off? No. Oh, you, you still, still have them? them. What okay. the fuck? I thought you might have gotten rid of them at one point. Because I know you he, said you regret them. He's trying to crash the, crash the market there. No, I'm not. I thought... The Sega CD market. I just know you've said you, you regret them before. I, I mean, I'm not going to play them, right? I, I mean, they're cool. They were in front of me and I was getting like... It wasn't like 10% of the value. I was paying like 50%, 60 And I did get Snatcher. I really wanted it at the time. So I got like that with it. So that was, you know, that, that was sort of the deal. And plus, I had like you know, I had a certain writer with me that was going through the deals. I wasn't posturing for him, but he saw. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, but anyway, so that that was that deal. You know what I really regret thinking back out of everything. Hmm. I bought this Caltron six in one from someone, <laughs> for like one hundred and eighty dollars. One hundred and forty five. And I remember at the time thinking, this might be a decent deal. He has the manual. He's going to get the manual for me. And then about three months later, a whole fucking horde of Caltron 601 sealed were found in Mexico. And we're going for like $180 sealed. Yep. And so that I, I kind of got closed on that deal, I think. And you know what? I don't think I ever got that manual. The more I think about it, I don't think I ever got that manual. So I think I'm, I think I'm entitled to a I, discount. I Ian. told you that manual might I come around. I think I'm entitled to a Pat It's not Caltron, my fault that the world uh, fucked you in the face. A Pat Caltron discount. I think I'm entitled to it there. So I really heavily regret that one. Because at the time, I was like, yeah, I can just buy it sealed. And you still can. What does a Caltron 601 sealed go for? It's, it's never... It used to be over a grand. And then they came way down. I remember Super Collector... Yeah, it did crash down about six months later. I, Super Collector Steve Lynn, I remember he had one years back. I said, you should sell that. I even said at the time, this was like back in Jersey at Digital Press. He had one sealed. I said, you think I should sell this? I had offers. He said, yeah, you should sell that. Because 
I don't think there's ever going to be any more money. And they might find something. And guess what? Like five, six years later, they, they found them. Uh, so I went, see, I, I regret that. I think I'm doing a deal with that, that Ian person again. But let's see what a Caltron goes for. Yes, because I was doing insider trading. Uh, it wasn't insider trading. Uh, well, all the, there's no sealed ones for sale. Actually, there is. You can get a graded one for $500. You can get a sealed one uh, there. So they've come up back from like the 200 but they're still really cheap. And you can probably wait out because there's now a thousand of those in collector's hands or hundreds at least. Ooh, there's a PAL version? Never saw the PAL box before. PAL version is pretty right there. So anyway, so that's what I regret, Ian. That's what I regret. If you're a student in today's world, you'll love Chegg.com. Search free scholarships, browse course reviews, get 24-hour, seven-day-a-week study help, and rent textbooks for a fraction of the cost of your bookstore, all in one big education redefining student hub. You remember how awful it was to buy textbooks in college i do it was ridiculous it was insane it was insane then when you when you, then you, you couldn't sell it back usually for for anything and then they make them obsolete the next year with so, the new editions so chick.com is a, a website that offers textbook rental so for instance instead of paying 45 for a book you can pay 15.99 and you'll get to rent it for the whole semester and they'll cover the shipping back but chick.com also has a study service mm. um and you can uh, there's textbook solutions um, there's tutoring you get a half hour of online tutoring expert Q&A you can take pictures of problems that aren't covered in their textbooks and send them to a tutor and uh, you'll get help back as quick as uh, two hours that's insane um, when, yeah. I, when, I was in, when I was in college you, you have to like sign up for a tutor wait a week and go to him walk across campus you know up and down the damn hills there on, on campus it was terrible this is all convenient, you know, convenient of your desktop, or they even have a mobile app. Yeah, so you can use it mobily. You can you can study wherever you want. Um, so this is very handy. You can for five dollars off your first month subscription. You can try this for one month. You can go to chegg.com slash cu podcast. There's two G's in Chegg uh, for that. There's a library of step by step textbook solutions. The ones that already exist. You can ask them, hey, help me figure this problem out. And it might be in their database there. Uh, there's subjects such as accounting, biology, calculus, mechanical engineering, stuff way, way more intelligent than what Ian and I can handle here. Yeah, yeah, can't do Either that. If you're studying for midterms, getting prepped for a final exam, or have difficult homework problems, you can master any class with the Chegg Study app. Yeah. So again, go to chegg.com slash CU podcast use promo code CU podcast for five dollars off your first month's subscription so yeah if, if you're in college you're going back to school community college university maybe if you want to you maybe want to assist someone in, in your household check out chegg.com <laughs> Q&A time on the CU podcast this is from here I go it's from Barclay Barry Burt Bort, Thomas Arianis. Uh, what are your goals for hopefully the next five years? I'm hoping for a syndicated TV show, then a spinoff. See you, podcast babies. Oh, okay. Would that be funny? Who would have in our group? We'd have like a, a baby Frank. Uh, oh, Jesus. A baby Vonnie. But, but, but full fucking mustache and hair. Oh, okay. Just tiny, toddling around in a fucking diaper. God, that's horrifying. I'm done. A mini spike? Uh, baby Spike is cute. Baby Spike, but just just still grumpy. He's yeah. You know what I'm looking for in the next five years? Hmm. 
getting the Bloodsport t-shirt that Thomas gave you to give to me. That's not his... That He wasn't the one who gave it to you. Are you sure it wasn't? Yeah, that's not the Tom. Damn it. It was the other Thomas. But anyway, there's still a Thomas. <laughs> there was a Tom 2 Tacos, and he came in and he gave me two uh, Bloodsport t-shirts. I remember it now. And they're both extra larges. Where, where is it? Uh, I They're both at home hanging in my closet. So you do have them? Still. Yeah. Why did you give me the shirt? I forgot. This is like four years ago it, now. It was a long time ago. You didn't bring it today? No. Is it a nice shirt? What is it? What's on it? It's the one that I've worn. Oh, the one you've worn holding the medallion? Yeah. So I could have been wearing that shirt for years. Because you wear extra larges. I would wear that shirt <laughs> to work out in. I, you know, I do the heavy bag and I punch and kick. What better way to do that with a blood sports shirt? I punch and kick. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'll dig it Decently, up Decently, by the way. Th- thanks, Ian. Have you worn both of them or just the one? Just the one, I think. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. Jeez. Get screwed on the Caltron deal. I don't get a, a gift shirt. You didn't get screwed on the Caltron deal. I got screwed on the Caltron deal. got 40 deal. off. It's not my fault that there was, uh, uh, they magically found him. Yeah, I don't think it was 145. Was it 145? It was 145. It was going for 180. Okay. With the manual, though. No, I said maybe <laughs> I'll find the manual. And did you look? Yeah, I looked. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck it went. This is from at Ansi TV Animal Sciences. Uh, this is to Ian specifically. Looking back, which, which pat moment made you the craziest? Eating on the fucking podcast. That did not make you the craziest. It, no, it might have. It might have <laughs> made me the fucking craziest. I'm sorry if the bars are a little crunchy sometimes. <laughs> More like moist and chewy, and wet. Yeah, I'm getting turn, turned on. <laughs> Moist and chewy and wet. Uh, What part of the podcast with Pat drives me the craziest? What part drove me? What made you the craziest? What made me the craziest? Honestly, that was my go-to answer. That's one because that's recent. It's only been the past three podcasts. Let's go back to it. I'll think. You're gonna think on that? Yeah, I'm gonna think on that. You're gonna think on that? Yeah. You you couldn't jot anything down? Okay. All right. Uh, This is from at Ryan Shoptaw. I like that name. It's got a nice, strong 80s ninja movie. Yeah. I'm Ryan Shoptaw. Four years ago, you discussed the state of games journalism. Since then, do you feel it has gotten better or worse? And at first, I didn't remember this. We looked it up. It was, it was in, the, it was in the, the crappy condo, and we, it was before we even had a table. It was when we had the little fold-out meal service thing, just sitting side-by-side side with our old mics, the old crappy condenser mics we had. And we did talk about uh, games journalism. So that was probably 2004. Uh, early, I think it was early 2014. That was like seven months into the podcast about. Yeah. And so what do you remember? What do you remember between now and then that's changed? I remember the quote you said about how uh, games journalism was just advertising for the big games companies at the time. Well, I, I felt like it was basically a, a PR mouthpiece. Um, I, I feel like games journalism at its worst um, or at its most banal, and that's, I think, how I felt it was then is a regurgitation of PR talking points. Um, you know, at its worst, there is no... I don't feel like there's any actual journalism done. I feel like it's, here's a press release. How can you spin this into a... How can you write that? Hey, this I, game's coming I, out. Yeah, right? how can you write this as an article? Sure. Um, I feel like it's it's gotten um, a lot better, though. Uh, I feel like there are there's a lot more... Uh, there's a lot more articles, a lot more investigation. Uh, I do feel like lately Kotaku has gotten a bit better uh, under um, Chris Kohler. Uh, 
writers such as Cecilia de Anastasio uh, does uh, really good long form. She did the write up about the, uh, the, the the Atari. She did the Atari. Time. Yeah, that she, she, yeah, that's that's one that she did. Um, she does really good work. Um, I feel like that. Jason Schreer's been doing some good work. Yes. Sometimes a bit inflammatory. Katago's turning it around a bit. Sometimes a bit inflammatory, but Schreer does good yeah, stuff. Yeah, Jason, I'll have a conversation with him sometime. He, but he does. About- he, I mean, he he brings up he brings up good points. Yeah. Um, so I do think the I, I think the um, desire to get out there and actually do investigate do work. stuff with teeth is yeah. is there and i think that there's a lot of people who are doing a very good job about it um a lot of my complaints do still stand though i mean a lot, a lot of stuff on the day-to-day basis is still that and that's just a that's a matter i think that's just par for the course with with this with that sort of work i think on on a regular day-to-day basis you're going to have a lot of that due to what the industry is it's nice to see that there are people though trying to put together these large pieces so that you do get meat with your filler the the problem is is that obviously there's less money to be in theory made to the to the the hard-hitting stories covering these topics it might take five months to put an article together Right, interviewing lots of people, digging out old contact information, putting together various sources. That's real investigative, real reporter journalism work. And it's hard to find those topics in general when it comes to video games. But when you do, that may not be the sexiest sort of headline. You know, it may not be, you know, like talking about what was the one with the... um, what was the games company that Kotaku did the investigative report about, about the sexual harassment claims a couple weeks ago? It was fairly recent. Oh, shit. Because that was the other one I wanted to bring up. Yeah, that was a good one. Fuck. So, so that's so that's work that can take months to put together an article like that easily. Months. What that's, company? Shit. That's a lot. <laughs> Relax. No, because that was a good one, and I, that was, I can't well, remember the company. Okay. Well. Yeah. Anyways. But yes. see, my point is that yeah. that's 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 good, but you're not going to build a, a like a, like a following necessarily off that unless that becomes a specific brand for your website to be only doing that sort of stuff. That's like a one off. You know, it's hard for a website to make consistent, make a lot of money off that. The sixteen-year-old kid wants to just know what the hell the next uh, zombie mode and in, in, in the next uh, Black Ops game is going to be. Like, he may not be interested in an article like that. Sure. You know, it's like, what's your audience? What are you catering toward? You know, what are you going after? And if there only has to be one or two sites that do work, like the Kotaku's trying to do more and more now, that's fine. I just think that. I don't know if that's sustainable for every website to do. I don't know if there's an audience for more than one website to do that sort of work. Unfortunately, I don't think unless we mature to the point where we need that more. I don't know. I'm asking a lot of philosophical questions about that, uh, but I'm glad that there's at least some sites doing that. But I think the other reason why that there's been a shift potentially is because the PR mouthpieces have become uh, influencers, Twitch streamers, YouTubers. Sure, they're getting the information out more effectively than what IGN and Gamespot can do. By far. Yes. It's more direct. It's more relatable. Uh, it's video format. And yes, IGN's done videos uh, now, like video reviews and things like that. But the more successful people are on YouTube versus, by and large, people working for these websites. That's why they get their stars. They get big people, find them, they like them. It's more organic than, hey, I'm on IGN and I got a big following. Well, it's because you have a big platform. That helps. You know, like the, the, the cream does sort of rise to the top on YouTube and people get there. Cream. Cream rises to the top. To the top! To the top. 360! 360! Anyway, uh, so that's all I have to say about that. I do think in general it's gotten, it has gotten better. Um, 
I don't think it's perfect. I talked about there's certain websites I will not. There's certain websites I've stopped going to for sources on the podcast. You probably noticed a couple that I don't use anymore because I think they're too divisive. But anyway, so that, that's all I'm going to say about that. So it's got a little better. Uh, this is from at Sonic Anim, Anthony Stevens. Dot Emu announcements of sequels to Windjammer, Streets of Rage, and uh, Wonder Boy slash Monster Boy. And thoughts on these older game revivals? Perhaps, please? Please? Perhaps? So I, I think it's I think it's it's great. I mean we'll 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 see, you know, exactly what the quality's like. I have my fingers crossed on Windjammers too. I'm very excited, but also cautious cautious just because Windjammers hit a very odd sweet spot and I'm almost afraid what will happen if they try to make it any more complex. Plus, I mean, do we need a more yes. of a windjammer? experience after the first one well i mean windjammers is crazy popular right now like insanely popular they had 178 entrants in uh the evo tournament really oh yeah so it sort of got into into the fighting scene a little bit oh yeah so um i've been paying attention to it because i play windjammers a lot on the ps4 i told you my windjammer story yes um windjammers has become incredibly popular again over the past few years lots of tournaments for it lots of people playing it um, big representation at Evo. And so there's now a sequel coming out. And um, I think it's great to see a game come back into the limelight, get a lot of support, and is now getting a sequel. As we talked about earlier in the show, um, Streets of Rage beat em ups have been you know, very popular lately. Uh, you know, there have been rumors, people talking about Streets of Rage for quite some time, and now it's getting part four. Wonder Boy, Monster Boy, those games have always had a cult following. Um, you know, um, Wonder Boy and uh, Dragon's Trap got its release uh, on the Switch and the PS4. It was a fantastic port. You know, basically just with wonderful graphic shine over it. Um, so I think it's and it's getting uh, there's a Wonder Boy and Monster. There's a new Wonder Boy and Monster World coming out. So it's it's fantastic to see all of this. Um, my only concern is when it's all being done under one publisher and then potentially by a bunch of the same developers, you run the risk of things looking the same, feeling the same, or being too samey. So if you don't like how the game feels, if you don't like how one game feels, say the movement or something like that, you run the risk of it transferring across. It's similar, my, my only concern is... For instance, Way Forward was a company that was responsible for lots of 2D revitalized games a while back. They have, you, did, have you played the DuckTales Remastered? Yeah, I did. You did? I did. We talked about it. We had a whole segment on later. it. Yeah, but we did. We talked about it. <laughs> it's memories, Ian. But DuckTales, um, <laughs> Aliens, they did Adventure Time. They did all this stuff. And it was great to see all these properties either get uh, Contra to get either revitalized or get games done in an old style but if you didn't like one way forward game chances chances are you weren't going to like any of them um you know these games are all in a different style but do you see what i'm saying if you consolidate it all under one house or one name you run the risk of if one's not good maybe they're not all going to be do you run a risk of burnout on some of these properties well i don't i mean Streets of Rage, it's one property. Wonder Boy, different type of game. Windjammers, different type of game. So I don't think you run the risk of burnout. Well, I mean, they're they're picking these games that had either they're gone for 30 years like Streets of Rage or 20 years. 
Windjammers, which was such a niche cult game. Um, Wonder Boy, yeah, that was wasn't really popular in the, in the U.S. that much, but I guess Europe probably better. Japan, so um, beat 'em ups are big right now. Mm-hmm. Exploration style platform adventures that came are out. always yeah. huge. So Wonder Boy and Monster Wonder Boy slash Monster Boy don't need to worry. And Windjammers I, is hotter than it's probably ever okay. been. Then they strike my little irons hot with a sequel. I, I I just I just don't know if that's diminishing returns on a game like that for a sequel. I, I don't, don't I, right now. I don't think so. Like I said, it just had a big year at Evo. It's competitive again. I think I think again the, was there Neo Geo tournaments in the nineties of that? Well, I mean, if there wasn't, then <laughs> I mean been. the fact that it's competitive says a lot. Oh no, I, I, I when I played it. You know, it's a reason a semi-popular YouTuber won't talk anymore because I humiliated him. But um, playing it, but you know, it's it's fine, it's fun. <laughs> Ian asks, do YouTubers? Uh, this is from um, DJP at Movies Ideas. Do YouTubers do a little too much complaining about YouTube? Is there a difference between wanting a system fixed and griping as though their lives had no choice but to become ensnared in the grasp of a dot-com site that allowed people to make money and post free vids? Well, that's kind of a loaded question Jesus here. H. Uh, we kind of know your opinion. Okay. YouTube is now not just a website. It's an ecosystem. It's a, it's a way of life for people. It's, a, it's coming larger than cable TV in terms of like market share. And it's a it's a commerce website. It's 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 become like its own ecosystem. So it's very important to people that depend upon it now. Uh, absolutely. And YouTube uh, is not perfect. There's there's problems with the uh, people being unsubscribed to channels, not getting notifications, or not knowing how to get all the things in their feed. Uh, they don't know when uh, videos from certain channels will drop out of their subscription feed, things of that nature. YouTube hasn't been entirely transparent about certain changes or there's been unpopular changes. Like they, when they try to marry f- the disaster of a few years ago, three, four years ago, when they try to uh, marry Google Plus in with YouTube. And Google, that was really horrific where you needed a Google Plus account to do it and it was all connected. And that felt... That Google Plus, I don't know anyone who actually uses Google Plus. Like that was just a one of the worst failed experiments ever. So Google slash Alphabet, YouTube, they've been far from perfect. Absolutely. Uh, now they're 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 crossing over into, uh, you know, they, they made mistakes in terms of partnerships, making it too hard to be partnered, making it too easy. Then they're removing the partnerships. So there there are problems with YouTube. To your point, though, do YouTubers publicly? I will say, complain a little too much about it. Yeah, I think they do. And not that there, something can't come out of complaint about something that happens when like a, a video gets a, a copyright complaint where it's bullshit and you go and you go to the proper methods of getting it resolved. Complain about that publicly, that, that's fine. And that's happened where people have been struck down where they shouldn't have and it's been overridden. But for the general wide YouTube complaining, I think it's... Um, it's not not necessarily a waste of time, but you know, it's just a waste of energy to me to complain about something like that. Where you're you're on this platform that without it existing, you'd be shit out of luck in terms of having that opportunity to begin with. Not that you should be a hundred percent grateful for the opportunity to make yourself money and this large company, but I think you get that per- perspective sometimes when it comes to some of these issues. And it's not to say there aren't valid complaints, but I think it's the volume of complaining that I sometimes see that bothers me. Where it's okay, we know YouTube's not perfect. We know it can be made better. We know the algorithm changes can screw with you at, at, at some point. But 
you know, but sometimes it it just is what it is. You got to deal with it. You got to you got to just uh, make your own way, adapt to it, do something else, try something different, because it's not going to necessarily get better if it's the same thing year after year. At some point, stop bitching about it and just try to do better or do something else if, if it's affecting you that much. And that's my opinion on it. And that goes out to not just people I don't know, but people that I love and that I respect that might you know complain about it too much for my likings. But it is what it is. And we can agree, disagree on the amount of it, but I do think that your energy is wasted after a point. Ian, I mean, I, I don't have a YouTube channel, so I mean, I, I, my my What's my up with the questions about you know, my, my feeling is at, at a certain point. Hey, look, I complain about things online, I, but my my feeling is at a certain point, complaining about it all the time online just looks. It's like crying wolf almost. Yeah, it's to the point where you complain about something online all the time and people become dead to it, um, where they, they become numb to it and it's just part of it and every shitty thing that YouTube does, none of it matters anymore because it's par for the course. Sure. Because everything I- they do is complaint worthy when they really fuck everything up, it's but it's not just complaints about YouTube itself. I've seen complaints about why aren't people watching my videos anymore. And it's like, well, that's well, not necessarily YouTube's di- fault right. all the time. And, and that, that's the other thing. I, I feel that... And that's so, what bothers me the most. I think that's that's my big issue is YouTube fucks up plenty. However, conflating YouTube fucking up with a decrease in views, when when that gets complained about too much, it comes across as whiny. Yeah, because audience taste change, people get older, people stop watching YouTube, Old younger people now are watching different things. Yes, YouTube does prioritize certain types of videos based upon watch time and, and things of that nature, but it's, it's, it's like anything else. If you do a TV show, after seven years, people might get sick of it, or after 10 years. I mean, the majority of TV shows don't last two years, three right. years, so people's, people change, and I try not to think about, I mean, I, I have a Pat the Aeneas Punk series that's had its highs, it's had its lows, and I can't dwell on the fact that certain episodes have done poorly. The 5th anniversary video, excuse me, the 10th anniversary video has not done as well as I'd hoped. But maybe there's no audience for it anymore. Maybe they don't know it exists. Maybe they've disappeared, and younger people don't like it. So I can't dwell on that. I just have to accept that's what it is. You try it, it doesn't work. You move on, you come back to it at some point. But you can't stake... Your whole time on on wishing or wondering why more people aren't watching it. You Some have of the best adapt. TV shows in the world had twelve to fourteen episodes. Uh, you know, what? I'm the Firefly of YouTube. That's the way I'm going to market the Faulty that. Towers. I'm the Faulty Towers of YouTube. There you go. Uh, that's that's the way you do it, and, and and it is what it is. You know, but when yeah, entertainment is the most fickle sort of thing you have out there. So you might be doing something in 2008 that worked for you, 2010, 11, 12, and, you know, people get fucking sick of it. Right. And yes, YouTube's fucking up, but it's, that's not necessarily why. It's part of the Venn diagram, but, you know, it's, you know, it's not all of it. So there you have it there. Um, This is from, you can ask this one, Ian. How Ian and, this is from Trinidad (laughs) Mendoza. Trinidad. Hi, Trinidad. He, he goes to the store. Uh, how Ian and Pat met. Sorry, this might have already been known, but not for me. Congratulations on your fifth anniversary. What's the fifth anniversary for podcast? What's the gift for that? Is it a, is it a Nintendo game? What is that? An Atari? I, don't, I don't know. An, an ET cartridge? What is that? 
<laughs> a Charlie Express car adapter. I'm just like, uh, so how did Ian and I meet? Uh, I butt chugged five gallons of cooking sherry, woke up in an alley, and you know, there you were. What was I doing there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Are you okay, buddy? Yeah. Why is this bottle sticking out of your ass? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was 2008. It was July. It was Comic-Con. I was there to see the Watchmen panel. Back when you could get into Hall H just by arriving at 9 a.m. and not three days before. <laughs> Ten years ago. Might have been the last year. Uh, ten years ago was when I, I met Ian. Wow, it's a ten year anniversary of me knowing uh, me knowing Ian. Holy shit! Wow, we we passed that. No, that can't ago. be right. It is. It was two thousand eight, buddy. It had to be two thousand ten. I didn't know you when you first started doing Pat the Enemy. I NES first Punk. met you in two thousand eight when I visited Luna Video Games, the Voltaire location in July before Comic. Oh, okay, sure, yeah, that's not right. knowing you, but we, you know, met me. Yes, I met Ian. You know, there was a cute little. Video game store. I, I love mom and pop video game stores. I stroll into, you know, uh, visiting San Diego. I looked up. I looked up video game stores. There was Game Zone, which is hell on earth. Um, oh yeah, Game Rave. Oh Game Rave. Excuse yeah. me. Game, there's a Game Zone too. That closed. There used to be a Game, yeah. game Zone in, in Claremont. Yep. But uh, there's Game Rave. When I saw an eighty dollar uh, Super Dodgeball in two thousand eight, I walked out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wa- went to Luna Video Games, and there was plucky, uh, clean-shaven, twenty-year-old-looking Ian with short hair behind the counter. And I, I, I believe uh, the first time I was confused, the first to visit, I bought either Baby Boomer, and I bought um, a print. Uh, I think the second time you bought Prince of Persia box. Prince of Persia box. First time was Baby Boomer and a couple other games, I believe. But Baby Boomer was still on my list uh, there, and I chatted up with Ian because you know I like I'm, I'm gregarious, I guess. I'm affable, affable uh, enough enough to break through Ian's hardened shell at the time behind the desk. There was no one else in the shop, like so a f- fucking fifteen-year-old gumball. Uh, so there was no one else in the shop. I don't think at the time. So I, you know, I chatted with Ian, and he had the cool counter space back there. I love that Voltaire location. That was nice. Should have bought it out. I kept it open. I love being able to go down there, you know, once a week and talk to Ian, or, or twice a week when I first moved here. But um, yeah, you know, I would talk to Ian about being a game collector. Ian's heard it all before. You know, I said, I didn't bring up the YouTube thing. I said, yeah, you know, because that was, that, 2008 is when I first started. I was so, going to say, I don't think you brought that so up in 2008, like two years later. So in 2008, I would have had only two videos when I met Ian. I would have had the, th- the Three Stooges one, and I would have had uh, Baseball Stars when I met him. And probably just the Baseball Stars in one. That was it. That's all I had. And, and, and um, yeah, so there wasn't even a thing then. So, you know, I was a collector, and I talked to Ian, and he probably thought I was out of my fucking mind. Because I was, uh, 10 years ago, I probably was more out of my mind than I am now. Compared show? to some of the people I'd meet there, you're probably all right. Oh, thanks, Ian. And, and, and so that's how we uh, we met. I don't know if Ian remembers anything particular what I did or weird things or, you know, the when I wrote the Caltron six and one episode, when I wrote that, I sort of tried to base on how I would have acted when I first met Ian, and sort of made like over the top, eh, just talking about stuff I have. That's how I remember you. You were you were friendly and and, and boppy. Boppy. That's yeah. a good word to describe. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, you were very bippy. I was very boppy until I was about 34. You were very bippy and boppy. So that's what happened. Then the next year I came back and said, hey, remember me from last year? Well, I'm moving here. I, do remember, I did remember Because the next year I came back in uh, in April 2009 to look for a place. I might have visited then. You did. Um, and then I came, came back, back again for Comic-Con. For Comic-Con, I had to move all the furniture out of, of the place that was still there. Uh, they didn't take the furniture. So, yeah. So then, you know, it was, it was my way of slowly, you know, hitting on Ian to make to get into his, I guess, his good graces. Because the first date was miserable, though. The first date was, was the first date really going to the swap meet? Would you call yeah. It? Was that fall 2009? Yeah, it, I don't know. No, that was later than that. We weren't really talking that much fall 2000. 
nine years. Oh, that's when I started to get to know you more. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Whew. You kind of you remembered me though when I came back in two thousand. Yeah. No, I remembered me. you. He was like, hey, hey, party time. I remember chatty people. You said that with a little disdain. No. Now I remember chatty people. It's not a bad thing. I remember the people who talked to me that, you know, provide me some respite throughout the day. I was proud of making friends with Ian yeah. at the time. Because for me, it's always been a hundred times more difficult to befriend guys than girls. I was proud of, uh, uh, you know. What were you proud of? Not hating a person immediately. Oh, thanks, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's basically that's basically how it happened. And yeah. you know, the rest semi history, we get to early two thousand ten, the NWC Gray comes in. Yep. I barely can afford it. We we giggle like schoolgirls with it and we bonded over, you know, things like that. That was fun. That was fun. That was it wasn't fun. Always, always horrible with us, Ian. No. We're like a married couple looking back right before signing divorce papers. We're like, it wasn't yeah. always horrible. <laughs> it wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst thing. We had some good times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honeyman was fine. Um at Thoreau08, thoughts on Amazon abandoning the pre-order discount of video games? So I figured I'd just touch on this because people have asked us about the Best Buy thing and the Amazon thing and the GameStop one was whew, quietly put down with a shotgun behind the barn like two weeks ago. Um, yeah, all these, you know, all of these uh, deal programs are, are gone. Um Within like a year and a half, they all went by fire. There's no profit margin on a new game sale. No matter what anyone wants to tell you, there isn't. It's like five bucks, maybe. Once you factor in your shipping and all that shit, you're not making... So now it's done, by the way. The Amazon pre-order yeah. discount's gone. Yeah. I think it ended on the 27th. Oh, I thought it was the 28th. So, yeah, oh, yeah for games delivered today. So, oh, for pre-order in the future, like Super Smash yeah. Brothers Ultimate. Damn it, I missed it. Fuck. So, really? Um, this is not surprising. It it surprises me not not at all. At twenty percent off a pre-order, I missed it. Is all that's all the profit and then some. Plus, Amazon gives you free two-day shipping. Um, that that's 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 loss uh gamestop doing their what was theirs it was like the 60 dollars for three months and you could ex- you know exchange used games as much as you wanted and then you got to keep a game at the end of the three months we talked it's about like a rental it. thing kinda. yeah that's also a losing proposition that was, that was uh gamestop was gamestop they stopped that too? And, and then best buy was i think it was uh also like a 20 percent well the game always was a used one where you bought it right that was gamestop yes yeah, okay and, you didn't um, worry about the, the yesterday. I could have bought Smash. I was going to buy Smash anyway. I'm sorry. Manual now this. Or sorry, go on. Making the hands. Um, and then Best Buy's is done. It was it was a, a nice way to, I guess, try to get people into these things, try to get you know the new game sales, game sales in general, physical sales. Physical sales are... are, are are faltering, I think, on the AAA releases. The the smaller indie releases are doing great. You look at stuff like um, limited run games, and they're doing they're doing well. Um, there it is. Uh, they seem to be doing well with their releases, but I, I don't think the AAA games are doing well uh, physical wise at stores. So I think this was an attempt to you know make sure that those sold. Um, but like I said, with, with the loss in profits, it just doesn't make any sense. And as soon as Best Buy 
cut theirs out, which I think we touched on a little bit. Um, I even said, I don't think Amazon will be far behind, uh, because there's no reason for them to keep it. There's no more advantage. They brought it on as a way to bring people in the prime. It worked. Had no one else done anything, I think Amazon probably would have cut that sooner. But then Best Buy wanted to compete with it, so they brought on their program, which basically locked in Amazon keeping that 20%. Yeah. They bled them. Amazon bled them dry. Yeah. Basically. So Best Buy had to get out. GameStop did their stupid thing, because GameStop's always got to try to do a stupid thing. And uh, was GameStop's power pass for everything. And, uh, yeah, once Best Buy dropped it, Amazon didn't need to do it anymore, so they're done. Um, I think Amazon's thing now is, like, you pre-order and you get some sort of, like, a, a credit for a future use. Okay, so that's you still terrible. So you still get a thing. You still get a thing. Well, Amazon still sells, sells, sells a power rewards program, right? You still get points. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's totally different than what they were doing, though. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's all changing. It's all done. It was obviously just a you know, marketing blitz ploy thing to get people to do Prime. And uh, they fucked up Best Buy, and it worked. I mean, honestly, for Amazon, it probably worked as planned. I don't think that was something that they were going to do forever. And it, like I said, it probably would have lasted for a lot shorter period of time if Best Buy hadn't jumped on and tried to do a plan like they did. Sure. I'm starving, Ian. I wish I had a ready-to-make meal that's both healthy and yummy all all at the same time. Well, then let me tell you about Flex Pro Meals, Pat. Okay. Flex Pro Meals is a meal delivery company that sends healthy pre-made meals to your doorstep. Their goal isn't to give you salad, but epic recipes, entrees you may have grown up on that they make healthier versions of. Eating healthy is a lifestyle change, not a two-week gimmick. So really? it's they're they're going to they're going to go the extra mile, give you the most value with realistic meal options at a good price. They have weight loss fat trimmer plans for about eight fifty a meal and lean muscle larger portion plans for about eleven a meal. Some of the most popular meal entries they have are smoked brisket mac, Ooh. game day chili, Ooh. breakfast burrito, oh. chicken alfredo, and the list goes on. So they've sent us meals. Yes. Lots of meals. Yes. Thanks, Flex Pro Meals. Mm-hmm. They are delicious. Oh, they're real good. <laughs> they have stuff from like uh, you know, just uh, steak. And some veggies, so high protein, low carbs. But hey, they had like the, the buffalo bowl mix where it's just a, ch- a huge chunk of buffalo meat and a bunch of nice rice and some cheese in there. Everything that I've eaten had at least 35, 40 grams of protein. I had, I had chicken lo mein. That was, that was delicious. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I had a street tacos, a little bowl street taco meal. I had a, I had a, what they called a, a voodoo poor boy, but it was, uh, it was a bowl of, uh, Ooh, that was good. It had, yeah, chicken, chicken sausage, and, a, and yeah, sausage. And a rice and a, and a spicy sauce. Oh, it was, it, so, was, it was tasty. So what they do is they make everything fresh, then they flash freeze it. So that's the second best thing to fresh. Um, you, it tastes fresh. So what you do is they send it to your home. It's it's freeze dried. You put it in your freezer. Not freeze dried. Uh, what's that? Not freeze dried. Dry freeze. Flash freezed with dry ice. Dry <laughs> ice. Yes, <laughs> I got it right. So they'll do that, and then you can thaw it out. Once you thaw it out, microwave it. it there's no like shitty preservatives. There's not a lot of sodium that they throw in there, like with regular frozen meals. It's it's the best thing to right out of like the oven. Uh, to me, and it's delicious. I'm gonna have one literally right after we record this. I'm gonna go have one. That's right. So um, you get 20 percent off your first find, order. Yeah, use code CU Podcast when you visit flexpromeals.com at checkout. That's 20 percent off, and there's options for five days at a time, 
uh, excuse me, five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week. You can choose so the specific meals you want. You can check the quantity of each specific meal. And there's different offerings each week. And you can say, hey, deliver it every week, deliver it every other week, whatever. It's up to your schedule how many meals you want uh, per week so you're not locked in. Again, 20% off your first order of delicious meals. Go to flexpromeals.com, enter code CU podcast. It's yummy. Ian asks. Ian asks. That's a fun topic. I'm going to ask. How often do you guys talk to each other outside of the podcast? And consequently, how has this affected your friendship? I've had friends who asked if I wanted to do a podcast, and I'm afraid it could ruin friendships. Oh, this is, an, this is a light topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this can get fun in the comments section. Uh, how often do I talk to Ian outside of the podcast, or I guess podcast business? Um, Depends. Twice a week, three times a week. Outside of the podcast, three times a week. No, twice, once. Yeah, once, once, once a week. Once when Ian actually takes my calls or returns. I don't take anyone's calls. Uh, I call Ian about nine times more than he calls me. I don't think you can dispute that. No, I can't. <laughs> like, I can't. So it's on Ian if, if he's going to say I don't try to talk to, to him. It's, oh no, I, I wouldn't say that. Um, um, I, I think it's it's interesting just because when I when I met Ian. Uh, 10 years ago, then we'll just say nine when I moved here, I was looking to establish, you know, people I knew besides uh, people I knew that were here already, um, obviously. So Ian was, well, he was a nice guy. We'll say Ian 1.0. This is 2.0. <laughs> he was a nice guy, but it was almost not necessity. I was sort of like, oh, let's see what's out here. I was I was going out of my way probably to, to try to meet more people. Yeah. I, I, I used to hang out with like people in fucking PB. I don't think I told you about when no, I first moved I, here. I knew that. Yeah. A few people. I used to go to like fucking Sunday brunches and with a couple of girls, and then there'd be these asshole bro guys. And within a couple weeks, I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. No, I know. I'm, I'm not fucking 20 years old. <laughs> I mean, when I was 29. I looked like I was 20 years old, but I I didn't want any part of that. Yeah. You know. So no, I rough. I tried different things, and trying different things was befriending. You know, a strange shop uh, runner, uh, shopkeep, oh, shopkeep, shopkeep. It's like in a in a in a, in a Final Fantasy game. Um, so it's weird because because we all, we bonded over obviously video games because uh, that's what we had in common before we knew what we loved Bloodsport and things of that name. Yes. So we went to the swap meet. Ian hated that. Fine. Um, you know, NWC thing was fine. Ian, Ian, you know, he's he's, he's climbing the Luna ladder, so to speak, along the way. It, it, it's working out. But I I said talk to Ian. We, we hung out. I'd say rarely when I first moved here. It wasn't that often. It wasn't like a thing we made. We never we never went out to eat together. No. You know? So the way we spoke was when I would visit him in the shop, you know, and, and on Voltaire Street. And yes. we'd go and we, we would chat. Like maybe once a week I would stop and you'd say like once a week, once yeah. every two weeks. Yeah. Something like that. I wasn't bothered. Right. I wasn't a, wasn't a lunatic bothering him every day. No, thank you goodness. Know? I remember we talked one time in, in the shop about how these weird Game Boy box collectors were coming onto the scene in like 2010. <laughs> we had that conversation. Remember that? Remember that one guy? Yeah. So so we, we, we uh, balloon kid. Yes. So Ian and I have a we we are personality wise and some beliefs wise very far apart when it comes to like game collecting though and like that scene we're pretty fucking close yeah when it comes to that yeah we're, we're married to each other when it comes to that so when we talked about pop culture things and movies new game stuff and retro games we would do it in the shop and so that sort of that conversation our hangouts sort of became the podcast, podcast. So it's not like we are talking less now because of the podcast. We've so short of shit. The podcast it. turned into the 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 
the hangout turned into the podcast. It was professional hangout is what it became, yeah. so to speak. You you are now privy to our conversations. Yes. So that, that's essentially what happened. Um, the, the podcast, because I, I don't think it's on here as a Q&A, but it, it, it was, I think someone mentioned it, how the podcast come about. The memories, it, maybe? Yeah, but it was sort of... Uh, I remember joking with Pat the one day because I tuned into uh, one of his. He used to do like the Google Hangouts every once well, in a while. Well, it wasn't. It was Ustream. Yeah, it was a Ustream, and um, he was going on like three hours, and I was watching it. I had just like tuned in, and it was. This was like 2010. It was raw and uncut, <laughs> and he's just like grabbing shit off of his desk and talking about it. And I, it was miserable. And <laughs> I there three hours. First of all, they're probably like two hours. No, I remember watching this. You watch one. This, this specific one. I mean, there was a timer in the corner pad. It's like three hours <laughs> live on like a Saturday. Yeah, I had my shitty day job. I had some. I had a. I was so stressed. So, he knew how stressed I was. I, I was. So I had said to him. I said, "You should really." do like a podcast structure i said a podcast you know get get yourself on on, on topic and then like a year later he was like hey how about a podcast and i, I like, don't remember okay. you were saying podcast structure no you might i said structure i said i said i suggested i didn't okay. i didn't put myself in there i'm not saying i came up with the idea i just said you should think about a structure a structure a podcast no, structure I said, or something. Idea or i said oh you were like yeah that's a good idea and we never said anything i mean that was that well my mind back then i was i was yeah I was thinking of a thousand things at one time. But. So, anyways, that's that. Uh, in terms of me hanging out, uh, it, like you know, Pat and I hanging out and friendship and things, I don't actually hang out with many people. Um, I'm I'm a homebody these days, left to my own devices. I'm not calling or texting or talking to anyone. Um, that's well, that's partially a let, lie. Let's 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 be let's be a little honest here, Ian. Okay, you know, there's there's hangouts that have happened at your place that I never heard about. Well, sure. Before after until after the fact. Sure. In the past, that, that's that's true. I'm just saying I'm not. It's not I'm not blaming you, but I'm saying it's happened. Oh, but I'm just saying I'm not overly social either sure. these days. I have my friends, and you I have, do you like have a close knit group of like what four or five people. Yeah, and uh, I, I'll I'll leave my house about once a week to go see them. Um, I usually go and hang out in North Park or something like that. Really? Yeah, that's, that's where they live. That's where, like, um, Audrey and Alan and John and all of them live. So every once in a while I'll go out. I usually need one good night out a week. But uh, most of the time I'm, I'm happy just sitting at home. Okay. So, um, okay. yeah. But this is this this is what the Hangout became. You're, you're looking at it. So this could have been... So if it wasn't for the podcast, there's a chance me and Ian would never talked anymore. Well, like there's an outside shot. No. Outside shot. I'm not saying we, we, we like each other enough outside of video games where we probably could have talked to each other. But the, the, the proximity of the game stores helped. It, that did. Especially, especially Voltaire, but when it, when it went to uh, Newport Street, that helped. Uh, that did, know. too, because you used to stop in a lot uh, going to or coming from dinner. Places. Yeah, like yeah, uh, dinner. That's right. We used, to, I, we used to drive Ian home. Yeah, like coming back from um, with Frank. We used to work yeah, on Fridays. Coming, coming back from Harp, we used to we used to we used to bring home Ian like three days a month. We we drive back with him. Yeah, which which, which helped him out. So that that being said, yeah, moving the store from Ocean Beach to Chula Vista proximity played a huge role in a lot of that. And Even though we live uh, five ten minutes, <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> That's different. I'm afraid of Spike. You know, absolutely. But I would say this podcast in terms of it ruining a friendship. Um, I guess if ego gets in the way and and one person has to be the dominant force on the air, I mean, Ian, me and Ian developed relatively quickly 
a, a rapport on the podcast. Yeah. That, that where not one is more dominant than the other when it comes to it. No, I, the, I think the dynamic, the dynamic emerged, the dynamic emerged uh, rather naturally, rather quickly. And I think that if you go back to our what, talks in the shop, our talks in the shop, and what you had said about basically that just evolving into the podcast and that becoming the hangout, that was um, a pilot test. It was it was <laughs> very it was very natural. We had already basically discovered our our rapport. Sure. So it, 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 it translated easy. Um, if you're already friends with that person and you can talk to that person naturally and you already have a good conversation, if you find yourself hanging out with that person and things don't devolve to watching TV or playing video games, but you're just sitting around talking with that person, do you go out and eat with that person and, and chat? Um, then that's probably a person you can do a podcast with. Yeah, it's not just to say, well, we both like the same topic, let's do a podcast. That might that not work That doesn't out. work. No. But... Do you both sit around and have good discussions? Do you leave that discussion feeling like, oh, that was a good time? Then, yeah, you can probably do it. Sure. So we're not friends, is what we're trying to say. No, we hate each other. At How11K asks, what current games do you think will become retro classics in the next 20 years? This is a good time for you, Ian. Will you be working at Luna Video Games 20 years from now? Probably not. Um, so... I've been thinking about it and looking at, like, just seeing what's been really popular online and, you know, what keeps being played, talked about what, what is, um, what's popular. I, I think, I think some games that are going to be considered retro classics in the future, I think Dark Souls is going to be, it's hard, it doesn't hold your hand, whether you like that or hate that doesn't really matter. I think that's going to... I think it has all the stuff that is going to make it look... T- I think I think there's going to be a lot of people who look back on that fondly um, in the future. Is that how you're defining retro? People looking back on it fondly? Well... Or are they going to go back and actually play it? I think they're going to go back and actually play it. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think there could be more, but I think Dark Souls... I think Dark Souls 1, even if you eliminate the online, I think it's going to have that appeal, not just as sort of the first in this genre of 3D, you know, 3D open space area, extra hard action games. Um, it's, you know, sort of a new type. It, it's sort of the genesis of that. And I think people are going to go back to that and look at that and they're going to play that. Um, I think as far as RPGs go, I think uh, Persona series, especially Persona 5 and probably Final Fantasy 15, which has been... Without a doubt, I think the biggest home run that series has had in a long time. I think in the future, that's going to be a retro classic. Um, I would say probably something like Halo, Halo 3. That's going to be a big one. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, God of War will probably be something that's looked at. I mean, a lot of these big-name action games that you can pick up and play quickly. Is it... Re- this is a... F- I go back to my point about retro games ending at a certain point in time. We discussed that, the pros and cons of that argument of me thinking it died with the Dreamcast in terms of consideration. Um, but is it retro gaming if you're playing the same game that keeps getting re-released or keeps getting adapted to a newer console? It, it, would that be considered retro gaming? 
if a game's either a remake or like the Halo 2 HD uh, version that, 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 you know, things of that nature, is it still, or the Halo, they did HD, whatever, both. Is it still retro gaming at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You think so? Even if the, even if the, you know... Well, I mean, you can just play the original version. But I'm saying no one's going to be playing, you know... uh, I can't picture people getting a working 360... 30 years from now, I'm playing these games on them. Like, they'll they'll be playing them on a, a newer sort of version digitally at that point. People still come in and buy regular Xboxes and copies of Halo 2. Okay. So, I was going to say, it's going to work for some of these games. It's not going to work for all of them. You know. I mean, maybe not, but if there's physical copies and physical systems out there, people are going to do it. Okay. So, I mean, I, I so think... So, you, you, you consider it retro gaming. If, if it's I, old, it's retro. Okay. So yeah. in 20 years, everything that we're playing now is going to be retro to the kids who are growing up with it. Okay. So, I mean, Breath of the Wild, I think, would obviously... I mean, any Zelda is... I mean, because whatever they're playing then, Breath of the Wild is going to look primitive, and it's going to be old. You think it'll look primitive 20 years from now? Yes. You don't think we're at diminishing returns for graphics yet? Depends. I mean, back I, I, then we said that... We were all the generation that said we're never going to fill up a one gigabyte hard drive. No, but we can always imagine something looking better looking. We never played an Atari game saying it's not going to look better than this. No one's no one said that. Ian. I mean, we, we, they announced these two thousand dollar graphic cards that come out, thousand dollar graphics card, and it's like, yeah, it looks cool. But now it's like, wow, you can see the reflection of the guy in the fucking puddle on the ground. That's the difference. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please that was creepy as hell. That was. All right, we have a, a ghost caller. Anyways, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think it's. You know, see what I'm saying, though? I, I don't. That's creepy. Sorry. Go on. Ian. <laughs> I don't. And I'll go back to the question and say that this is perhaps what has what what drives me the most nuts about you. You are short-sighted, I think, when it comes to this, and you oh, are too oh, dis. Oh, oh, and oh, you are. It's a, a callback. And you are too dismissive of modern gaming. We may be old, but the people who are playing it are not. And I think that we are falling victim to the exact same stuff that some of our... That, that, yes. How things, short-sighted. That's you are short... Yes. I, I, I think that things can progress and continue to improve in ways that we don't know yet. Just like things that we were not expecting so to come what's, to fruition. All right, what's past photorealism when it comes to games? What is past that, graphically? Don't know. Holographic. Okay, so that's so that's the so when they're playing holographic games in twenty years, when the photorealism games that we have right now, when, when they'll they'll be looked at as primitive. We're not at photorealism. We are fucking close. I we are so close. You don't think we're close? With I don't what know. The gra- you, you see the cyberpunk game? You see those graphics? You're gonna be like twenty years. You're gonna say that looks primitive? Really? Right. So we're hammering away on the fact that I said it's gonna look outdated. Truth be told, whatever we're doing in that game is going to seem primitive to what they're playing in 20 years. What I'm saying is retro does not have to just mean games that came out in the 80s or 90s. Retro is going to be whatever is old to the people who are in 20 years. So all they're asking is what games do you think will be retro classics in the next 20 okay. years? 20 years from now. Well, I maybe, think that, maybe I disagree with the question then. I, you can't disagree. <laughs> I can disagree with the question. What game? <sighs> it, was, it was directed to you. I might, you might be, your answer might be fun. I might disagree with it. Well, I mean, it was directed to both of us. No, no, not necessarily. No, I mean, we just decided that you were asking the question. <laughs> I mean, this one was actually just replying to you um, in terms of how the well, question Yeah, because I asked. asked for the podcast. 
I think gonna, Final Fantasy 15 is going to be well remembered. We're going snippy now. We're going snippy <laughs> on the 5th anniversary. <laughs> That's why people like us. I think. I also think that stuff like Persona is going to be fondly remembered. Um, I think. I just think it'll be. I think we're going to get to the point where we're going to have divisions of retro. Then we're going to have like the platinum era from the seventies, golden era, well, sure. silver. But once you get to, I said that arcade knockoff point, especially when you get to the PS2 era, when the games start progressing, you know, it's like, well, PS2 and PS3, yeah, there's a difference. PS3 to PS4. There's almost a difference in how these games look. PS4 to PS5. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's an upgrade. I mean, we're there. We're fucking there when it comes to this stuff. Well, we're not talking we're there. in aesthetic. We're talking in age. Okay, I'm, I'm, okay. Okay, fine. I'll just say, okay. Aesthetic versus age. Okay. Classic games versus retro games. All right. All right. Now we're on to a whole list of memories here. Memories like the ones we used to know. See, you should have said you're annoyed by my singing. Uh, most of all, I, I just deal with your singing. You, you deal with it. You love it. I, all right. So this are <laughs> some CU podcast memories. Both uh, we'll go to the Patreon ones first. I, I have access to that, um, and then we'll talk about uh, other ones that you guys submitted on the CU podcast memories hashtag. It's been a lot going you're on. Singing here. in the shower is something special. Oh, oh Norm loves it. I mean, that's why I haven't seen Norm this year. I think I, he's the reason why. I'm the reason why he does. Norm's this. the reason why he's doing less conventions I mean, I'm this year. Yeah, or you're the reason why Norm's doing less conventions because yes. of your singing. Yes, that's why. I think so. So let's see the, some of the comments from people here. Um, whoops, why did I just click off here? Ian, what, what's what's what is jumping out at you as a, a if you had to, if aliens came down to Earth? And they said, we want to know about the CU podcast that's been beamed to us across the galaxy. Give us like three or four segments that define the CU podcast. What, uh, what would it be? Retro RVGS, or Retro VGS, also <laughs> Coleco Chameleon. The whole saga, the whole five-video saga. The whole, the whole yeah. that's like a three-hour Blu-ray, basically. Yeah, so uh, that whole thing, um, the whole Tim Atwood stuff, uh, obviously... Uh, Ninja Turtles, uh, Michael Bay announcement. Yeah, yeah, the whole Michael Bay stuff back when I was far more fiery. You're still fiery to an extent. You, we, we both slow down with with our age. Yeah, I'm, I'm not nearly as whiny anymore. Um, people getting mad at me for being mad at people like PewDiePie. Well, people were pissed at me more. That's when you were on the podcast yeah, yeah. for five months. Yeah, whatever. He's a, he's a fucking chump. Um... <laughs> Oh, someone's going to do a 50-minute 50 50 video, Ian. It's all right. <laughs> let's, let's, I, I, we'll, 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 we'll probably we'll get to these. We'll, we'll forget. Uh, Jacob says, little bitch. Yeah, little bitch is always a good one. I still have a perler bead art hanging in my house that someone uh, made me. Past Twitter, little bitch. Past Twitter post the day before Ian's return saying something bad happened and fireworks and chanting. Come on, Ian. You, you got to give it up for me. I, I went all out in the post-production on that. Come on. Post-production was fine. I still wish you hadn't told people that I was, like, dying or something I didn't, like that. I did not no, say everyone thought I was dying. I said, I have some news about Ian. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's all. I kept it vague. And it was 20. It was less than 20. He was actually pissed at me. I remember you being pissed. Yeah, I was. I was upset. It was sad. It was sad. I was like, I, 16 hours of people wondering. <laughs> I mean, God. It's all about drama. Uh... Ty says the different amounts of facial hair you both have had. I've had a lot of different amounts <laughs> you know, of facial hair and and hair and head hair. Yeah, I was all long hair when we started. I was, was the, I was short when we started. Also, when Pat 
said my name, real name for the first time on the podcast, and called me a good guy. Aw. My that? man! From Sean. My man! Well, you guys covered the backlash against Denny's remaking retro Atari games. Who? Oh, Denny's. Oh, asteroids. People were, people were either pissed or pretending <laughs> to be pissed about that. Uh, Ian's return, chanting Ian. Uh... The That's It Fruit Spots, top-notch. Come back to us, That's It Fruit. Please, That's It, come back to us. I hope we uh, weren't the reason why our guy got fired, because, boy, we got a lot of fruit bars. The Ian Stalker Ranch Dressing Parts 1 and 2. Is something you want to say about Part 3? Yeah, Part three's probably not ever going to happen. Just going to say it right now. Uh, it's not fun. Um, the first two parts of the story were, you know, amusing. The third part's just weird and creepy, and, What's the, with the letter in the DS case? Yeah, there's a letter that he wrote me, and it's, uh... There's a lot of unlayers to pack. There's a lot of layers to unpack. Lots that. of ins, lots of outs. A lot of ins, lots of outs. And I just don't really feel like going back to it. You don't want to re-experience it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really didn't want to re-experience a lot of that story. I mean, as funny as well, it is... As funny as it is, um, it really wasn't a great time. <laughs> And I've learned that you get through things by laughing, and I've told that the first part of that story a lot. But really, once you get to part three, um, when I've told the story in the past, I've never really done the part three, and I kind of let it slip when I was telling part two that, you know, there was that letter, and I really should have just, whatever. You should have mentioned the letter. I, I, yeah, you should have sh- mentioned there's a part three. I, yeah, because there, there really isn't. It's, uh, like, five minutes, and it's uh, just weird, and uh, basically... It's anticlimactic? Yeah. It's essentially just uh, like a breakup letter. It's him being like, okay, uh, I'm um, not going to be friends with you anymore, even though we weren't really friends. And a lot of things are said in there that are weird. And uh, that's about it. That's about it. That's and about we're, just, it. we're just not doing it. We're not doing it. That the end. It. The end. It's kind of like the Spider-Man 3 of the trilogy. It's just, it's a lot of buildup, very disappointing. Yeah, the payoff isn't great. Trust me, you're not really missing anything. Okay. It's just, that's it. It's the end of it. All right, then. Um, Kate says I know everyone is saying it but the ranch dressing story has brought me many a laugh when I was down Ian's storytelling prowess really shines and it really greatly amuses me to see Pat doubled over with laughter and I'm glad I have no regrets about the first two parts I just should not have mentioned the third part I really enjoyed Pat's ghost stories I would love to hear more and Ian's reaction was amusing yes because Ian called me basically a fucking idiot ghosts are dumb they don't exist yes the end. <laughs> Even though his people's family have probably seen him, other people in my family. Bonnie seen, believes in ghosts. But, but we're all fucking idiots. All of us are. Ian's the smart one in the group. Okay. Uh, most recently, Pat's going Jersey on the Jerks doing Rock Band at 2.30 a.m. Yeah. Um, uh, th- another one. Uh, I, like really, I really like the way both you and Ian especially always talk about controversial topics with a good amount of nuance and trying to see things from both perspectives. Doesn't always work out. Uh you're not afraid to have opinions, of course, but you try not to pass judgment unless you know for sure that you have the entire picture. It's not going to work every time, but, you know, uh, the we got to try. The nuance is needed in today's, clients, uh, today's climate, absolutely, where flaming and jumping to conclusions is the norm, not our norm, the norm. I, I, I added that. So that's something I really appreciate. The fact that I, that I trust what you guys say to be our earnest, our, our, our earnest opinions. Yes. Who is that? This was uh, Emil. Well, thank you, Emil. Uh Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat, yes, that that yeah, the game that we went from an eight dollar game to a thirty dollar game because of us. <laughs> I can say that. I'll blame us on that one. Uh, JD Combs, I got a few favorites. I started following you guys in late 2015, early 2016. I really love the dynamic between the two of you. Ian was out for so long, could tell it just didn't feel the same. Yeah, I wanted to die. Um, it was rough. Uh, I don't blame Ian for that. 
I had to get through it or else the podcast would have ended. Uh, but it was right after the release. I'm not saying pity, but it was right after the release of my book. I was already exhausted, and then it was like the worst timing ever. I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And I remember asking Ian, can you do it? Can you do it? And he's like, I'm feeling bad. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, fuck. I, I had to drag myself to the table and, rum- and mumble for two hours by myself. But it kind of worked, and he got back there, and he's better now. Now he's like, he's good now. No, I'm good. You can poke that belly, and before it would kill you, now it's okay. Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, the witty batter back and forth, the occasional annoyance with each other, occasional annoyance. You both have fresh perspectives that sometimes are two different sides of the same coin, giving a well-rounded view. Thanks for all you guys who do. I'm excited for more Let's Plays. That's not happening, but the marathon will. Uh, and, and, of course, the letter, which we talked about. Congrats from Danny. Daniel Greenberg. As someone who produces a Let's Play program, I'd love to hear your thoughts, experiences, challenges regarding the Let's Play phase. Well, it sucked because Ian, that's when Ian first got hurt. Yeah. With his, so he kind of never got off the ground. And I was i was sick leading up to it. Like, I was sick in all the Let's Plays we did. I just didn't realize what was going on. But I felt like shit yeah. in all of those. And it shows. I was... Well, you, you hear it at least. Yeah. yeah I was miserable right. um, during those. And, yeah, it just... It was one of those things where it was kind of a, it was a decent idea. It could have been fun. I got sick, and by the time I wasn't sick anymore, and we got back into the role of this, there was just no time for anything else. And uh, yeah, it blew up in launch. Oh, there you go. Um, now we'll go to the podcast memories from uh, Twitter. Uh, listening to Pat talk about his haunted house while at my job, my night job all alone. <laughs> I was paranoid every Monday noise like the building AC turning on. Uh, also, Pat's TV buying woes. I forgot about oh. that. <laughs> and Ian's little bit story right up there. My TV fucking ran. Uh, right. uh, when was, what, what was the TV thing again? It was the... I uh, bought the refurbished yeah, one. Yeah, I tried right. to return it. It was broke. It was a whole fucking thing. Yes. Oh, the packing, the UPS yes, the guy. Yes. Uh, giving Joel Austin... This is from Kate. Giving Joel Austin a well-deserved roasting after Hurricane Harvey. That piece of shit. Yeah. Eat, oh, Jesus. And recognizing the work of the great uh, Mattress Mac. Oh, he just held a reunion party for all the people who sheltered. That's a good store. guy. Not some fucking awesome. fake fucking Christian. He was like, oh, he's a real Christian. How do you decide? He's not a fucking Christian according to the Bible. Eat me. I tasted his penis and it didn't taste like Christian. Yeah, that's right. You quote me on that. <laughs> that's right. At Best Buy Rick, Clinical Chameleon Controversy. So that was sort of the zenith of the CU. I wouldn't say yeah. the CU podcast is not as popular as what what it was two and a half years ago. Oh, sure. Because we got a lot of exposure with that. It was, uh, Vice, uh, Motherboard, a website, uh, Atari Age Forms, which we, we, we love you guys there. Yep. Unfortunately, um, so this is what I'm going to say about the retro VGS slash Kamiko Chameleon thing. Uh, if we can encapsulate what that was to us and what was happening. That was a moment in time where I think retro gaming was hitting that point where I think it was that, right, now everyone's going to try to capitalize on this commercially as much as possible that was before i think all these all-in-one systems were getting more popular uh that was for the nes classic edition uh that was before there's way more products now there was products then too but now we're at the point where now it's 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 almost too many of them there's too many clones out there right and this was a point in time where you were getting a lot of these ideas that where people want to capitalize on it so ian i i think did our best to try to steer people away uh, from what we thought were bad ideas, and this to me was the king of the bad idea. Yeah, this was this, and, and this was the when the when the retro VGS came around, it was it was dead in the water. And that was like summer 2015. That was quick. Yeah. That was dead pretty quick um, and squashed pretty quickly. The the chameleon 
with the Coleco name. Um, it was a few months later. It was like late later in 2016. That had the that had more that had more steam behind it because, because of the, the name. name and because a couple of websites. A couple websites, all web websites well, regurgitated the press that's release. That's what I'm saying. But it started with a few regurgitated so, that press release, and it started to steamroll a little bit. Yes. And so me and Ian took it upon ourselves, and we were the only one of the only fucking uh, people to do that. I'm not patting us on the back, but I'll get into why that annoyed me. We were the only ones to see the dangers of that, of using a dead brand with a new company that was not that original company, right. using that for gain. How dangerous that was, and how that could be a start of a dangerous precedent, in which we've seen with the Atari VCS, where yeah, they kind of are, uh, you know, they, they, there's an association with Atari, but they're not the Atari of old. But this was totally divorced from that, with someone I even knew personally who was doing this project. Well, I was dead set against it, you know, and we had to let the let the truth be known about it, regardless of, of whatever fucking collateral damage eventually came to Ian, and of course to me in early 2016 while Ian w was uh, was sick. Um, well, no, you weren't sick then. You were just gone for that. No, no, that's right. No, I was sick. You were sick then. Yeah, we're talking early, 20, 20, early 2017. Early 2017 it was? Yes. Click me I thought it was early 2016. I got sick in October of 2016. Oh, you were out for for the par, uh, for a part of it. Oh, no, I, when I did the video when they announced it. You know, you were around. Oh, yeah. You okay. were around. Okay. Yeah, you I weren't sick. You were around. I bet. But... But what happened was, I think the community really, the retro gaming community really wanted a, a product like this for whatever reason. They wanted, oh, we want a new retro gaming system. And I think uh, some people got misguided by it. Some YouTubers turned a blind eye to it, unfortunately, that I'm, I'm still dealing with blowback to this day and one for another because of that, because they didn't see how bad this could get before it got awful. And so, you know. We weren't the judge, jury, and executioner. We were just the messengers of this being a bad product even before it was revealed to be the hoax. So it, it was... It, now everyone knows this stuff. So it, it's... You know, the Atari VCS thing, it, you're just going to sink or swim. Um, but a lot of people who... You know, I think a lot of people who... A lot of people learn their lesson through the... Coleco Chameleon. Um, a lot of the people who wanted something like this. And I even understand wanting... Want, I, I even understood to a degree at the point wanting something like that, but it just didn't work. And I think a lot of those people then saw that with the VCS, and it was, you know, more or less... Uh, with the VCS, it's a fool and his money will soon be parted. You know, there's not sure. much you can say on that. But at that point in time, it was a very unique thing. And controversy and stories like that... Um, bring listeners. It's not going to sustain them forever, though. They have to enjoy the rest of the podcast. So that was certainly, I think, where we had really, really peaked with our popularity. That was easily when we were most popular. That was also when I was recognized probably the most. I, I mean, I was recognized for the shop. Uh, no, at the shop, I'm probably recognized most now. Like, multiple times just, just, a day, but just, I mean, out, like, uh, hey, you're the chameleon, chameleon guy. I would be, no, people would recognize me and be I, like, oh, you do that podcast, I saw you with the, th that's how people would recognize me, they'd recognize me from the Coleco Chameleon and I stuff. I'm going to say this, and, and, and I don't know if this is going to be a controversial thing I'm going to say or not. Oh I, boy, you're going to say something. I would hope that the way we treated the situation rubbed off on others in the community to scrutinize these projects that come about. And I think I've seen it a little bit from this experience where people don't 
want to get ahead of themselves and proclaim something something to be the second coming before it comes out, you hope. Because we were on a, we were on a fucking lonely island back then. We definitely were for about six months, and then once we espouse it, everyone's like, "Yeah, this is a scam." It's like, where the fuck were you five months? Uh, the five previous months, where were you? I don't know, Ian. I don't know where they were because you know what they weren't around. So, all right, all right. Uh, this is from at Jimmy Reed. Jimmy, remember when you got the gummy penises? I vaguely remember I that. do. I very much remember that. What about the time you covered the entire <laughs> Chameleon and Tim Atwood stories? Oh, Those are great. Thank you. Tim Atwood, I, we still owe him a, a few sandwiches. Yes. Tim Atwood, I got to visit you at some point. That was a good time. And the gummy penises came in one of the boxes that they we came? got. Yeah. Yeah, they came. Uh, if you want someone to discuss, I'd like to know why I stopped covering wrestling topics. I'm tired of it. They don't. They, it always did the worst. It was like the worst things we ever talked about. People don't give a shit about us talking about comic books specifically, and then wrestling. It just didn't work. I uh, I love talking wrestling um, when I'm interested in wrestling. Problem is, I'm so sporadically interested in wrestling. Um, I, I I have to find the time for it. One, uh, two. In in this current like climate, I just have no interest in watching what's on Raw. I have a tough time making the time for NXT. It's not that I don't like it. I just have to be picky and choosy about when I watch it. And yeah, I mean, no one else cares. I mean, the people who like our takes on wrestling really do, and I appreciate that. But I, it's it doesn't. Plus we, go on, we go on too long. Last time we talked, we talked about WrestleMania for well, like that's a half the thing. hour. We obviously enjoy talking about it way too fucking much. When we do, we analyze it too much. Then the writers analyze it. We analyze it more than they do, and that's probably the problem. Yeah. So that that's why. Uh, this is from that finishing my coffee. When Ian returned from his medical sabbatical, I really thought he wasn't coming back for a minute. Then Pat played the epic Ian March. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, once again, kudos oh. to Pat in his post production. Uh, Oh, you're going to say, fuck you, Pat, for tricking people. No. Uh, my man from QTA's podcast. Still hurts my laughing heart. Noah's done the ring, 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 ring. Rum, 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 from rum, the Star rum. Trek 3, which was yeah. a really good movie, actually, but that teaser <laughs> sucked balls. <laughs> that teaser. And from Deadass is my boss, the all-time great, the GOAT. The GOAT, the yes, Q, right. The That's Q&A what? GOAT. The Q&A GOAT. The, the GOAT of the past five years. We'll give it to you. Uh, the Zack Snyder ants from you two have always brought me on parallel really levels of joy. Me. This even goes, thank you. This even goes back to the very first CU podcast when you contemplated thoughts on Batman v Superman. Keep up the great work, dudes. You're both a gift to the world. Well, thank you. <laughs> gift to the world. That's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. um, I know you were warning from the beginning how bad it was going to be because you hated Zack Snyder even from the beginning. Yeah. Um, yep. Can't stand the guy. I don't have those fiery rants in me anymore. If I look back on five years ago to now, the thing that I just don't have... The energy is to be angry? I just don't have the energy to be that angry about shit anymore. Um, And I think the big thing is, like, I look at some of this recent bullshit with, um, say, like, Thundercats or She-Ra, and then I look back at, you know, some of the stuff like Batman versus Superman... And in my head, I can do all the gymnastics. And yeah, I fucking can't stand Zack Snyder. I think the guy's a fucking douchebag. And I think his ideas for movies, his darkness, his wanting, you know, there to be prison rape in Batman. Yeah, it sucks. And there's a reason to get upset about it. Um, But I just, I can't be one of those people who finds reasons to get mad at all that bullshit anymore. I can't. That said, Zack Snyder's... I mean, he's fucking awful. But I, I just, I can't. Look, <laughs> if he's, you, not, he's out of the limelight now. He's not involved no, in the DC stuff anymore. But look, if you want to go see 
fucking chap-lipped Ninja Turtles, fine. <laughs> Just go see them. That's fine. If you want to love your Zack Snyder fucking shit movies, that's fine. It's fine. It is. I can't... I don't care. I don't care. And I'm going to go and watch the new She-Ra cartoon because I think it looks fine. And if you are going to get that worked up about it, don't. Don't get worked up about it. Go go pet a fucking dog. Do something that's better what, with your time. That's what we're talking about with Andre recently about the, the anger and stuff. He's just worn him out, all the anger. It has. Stuff. It, it's worn me out, and I, I, I'm tired. I'm tired, and it's preventing... I, I can't get that angry anymore. <laughs> I just can't. You're also five years older. You're in your late 30s now. Yeah. Uh, 36. 36. Yep. It's not... It's, 36 and a big half. 30, 30, well, no, I just, I'm not a big half. Oh, you just, that's right. I, I, I'm, I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking it's July, for some reason. My head is all fucked up. No, no I just turned 36. I got a full year ahead of me. Uh, closer to 40. I consider 34, 35, and 36 Mid? your mid-30s. Uh, you got one more year left in the mids. Yeah, one more, one more left in the mids. One more left in the mids. So, that's not a bad way to end the, the memories there. What, you getting older and grayer? Or Zack Snyder. No, ending it on some Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we go full circle back to Zack Snyder and not worrying about... I mean, there's obviously there's more things to be concerned about in the world versus escapism and how badly... I mean, it, I mean, I watch, I mean, for example, the, the Red Letter Media, Mr. Plinkett, uh, Last Jedi review came out this morning. I watched it. It was it was entertaining as always, but it's still not the same as when you watch how you know the prequel ones. It's, it's sure. sort of like the, the the sort of like funny critique anger part has it's not gotten old, but we're used to it at this point. Right. It's sort of like yeah, we know it's 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 fun. You know, it's still fun, but you know, we're we're used to it. So, yeah. So there's only so many times Ian can complain about Zack Snyder before he gets sick. <laughs> yeah, I just five years later, Zack Snyder. Hey, we won't buy you a sandwich, but hey, you know, we'll play some Jenga together, maybe. No. No, I'm, no I'm just I'm not gonna kick him in the traffic, but I'm not I'm not gonna give him a hug. I, I mean There's I'm just gonna walk by him. You don't say hey Mr. Snyder, you know? No. No. I'm just gonna walk by him calmly. So that's that's a lot of we made a lot of progress in the yes. this therapy session for the past five years. Yeah, then. we have. Went from Splinters my balls and my asshole and yeah. fuck off chaplains <laughs> to you know, I'm just gonna walk past the guy. Just fucking A. We'll walk past certain YouTubers too when we see him. Now we don't we don't, you know, wish him ill will. Maybe. And still a lot of sewage pumps out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was five years of a CU podcast. Thanks, everyone. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash CU podcast. Hey, if you, you might be watching this on Twitch right now. I might decide to stream this all together so you guys can experience the fun and magic. That might be a thing we might do in the future. We'll see. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. It's I, think it's, I, think I think it's fun. Kind of fun sound. Good one every now and then. Just like Mr. watching Mr. Rogers' episodes or Bob Ross, you can relax watching me and Ian. Yeah, yell at each other about the definition of a fucking retro game. What that's important. And, um, and then um, it's, what, it's what brings you here. Yes, and we'll be at uh, we'll be we'll you'll, we'll be at uh, Portland in, in October. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be at three conventions in, in uh, Retro World Expo, Video Game Con in Jersey, and in uh, Arlington uh, Retro Palooza. Check out our T-shirt, teespringcom slash cu shirt. Letter cu shirt. Dot Patreon. No. All right, any, any, any last. <laughs> Words for this 130-something episode, 132 episodes, five years. We'll just get some fish tacos. I just got it. Just, no, I'm good. I'm done. We're good. That's all we have to left to say ever about anything. So thanks so much. I have no more opinions. No more. We're, we're, all we've You're decided, welcome. that's it. <laughs> so play us, play us out, keyboard cat. Boop-a-doop-bop. <laughs>